hello, and welcome to Stupid Sequence, the show where we make ranked lists of things that don't matter because arguing with your friends is fun. I'm your host, Josh. Me, a name I call myself, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Uh, We are at episode 31 this week. We're going to start with a quick summary of what the show is. The goal of each episode is to create a ranked list of something, usually media-related. Normally, Scott and I will pick a topic before the show and each come prepared with a list of 10. This week, we've got another guest on the show. Uh, It's our first returning guest. We've got my wife, Grace. Hello. Hello there. Welcome back to the show, Grace. Good to have you. Um, so normally our top, we do top tens here for our guest episodes. If you've been around for one of those before, we do usually top sixes, um, say to cut down on, on the time a little bit there. So, uh, but yeah, well, for, for segment one, we're going to talk about items six through four on our lists, uh, why we feel they fit the list, why they're meaningful to us, or maybe some interesting facts about them. In the next segment, we go over our top threes in more detail, and then to finish things off in the last segment, we're going to briefly mention any honorable mentions we have before going head-to-head and arguing over which items belong on the official uh, top ten list. So, this week, our topic is the worst monsters to be killed by. Wait, that was the topic? That, that yes. We talked about this. We announced it last week. I came up with our it. last episode. Yes, and this is a fact, great idea. That is what I prepared for. That's good. Oh, okay. Yeah, in our in our, in our grand tradition, um, Grace uh, Grace gets to guest on because she came up with uh, her idea. So, yeah, uh, I think it's a good idea. This is a fun list to put together. Uh, at the top of the show here, I do want to issue a double warning here. One spoiler warning: um, we are almost certainly going to be getting into some spoilers here for um, various various things. fictional properties here, um, and then also a content warning. Um, we're describing monsters that are killing you, and uh, some of the descriptions are uh, almost certainly going to be gross and or disturbing. So uh, if you're bothered about hearing about how fictional monsters kill people, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not maybe the episode Maybe skip this episode, yeah. Yeah. But come on, you, you're, you're probably fine with it. Skip to so. the end so you know what the next episode is, though. Yeah, sure. Just listen to the last five minutes. Do not listen <laughs> That's to Around do. Children. Yeah, maybe not. No, yeah, no, there's some very graphic things that I will be reading for at least a couple of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond uh, that, I love this topic. One, not just because Grace came up with it, but because it's very appropriate for the season, right? Yeah. Spooky time. Coming up on Halloween. And yes, it's spooky season. We all need to be uh, with our wits about us. So that we're not being attacked by monsters as you're walking to your car at night. Yeah, we're recording this in the height of spooky season here. And uh, this episode will be posting the week after Halloween. So, you know, we all, we'll, we'll almost sneak it in there. But hey, what, you can, know, what can you do? I-, I was thinking about that. If you weren't doing anything this weekend, you could always edit the entire show today and then just release <laughs> this one next in advance of Halloween. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not doing that. <laughs> worth a shot but doesn't hey. matter um week after's fine yeah so but yeah let's uh let's start digging in here um i want to talk a little bit before we start here about um what we mean by monster um yes i a person does not you know you, there are certainly people who you can describe as a monster fictional or otherwise um we're not talking about humans here 
Um, we're not talking about like uh, Hitler, human-like aliens or anything like that either. Or I think we're we're talking about specifically monstrous creatures, right? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, yes, but. I will say some of the considerations that I had are humanoid. Yeah. Like, like let's say, oh, for sure. But let's say, like, a Vulcan can't be a monster. Oh, okay. From Star Trek. That's more no. what I mean. Like, certainly. Uh, 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 what do they call it? A Rodian from Star Wars is not a monster. What about, like, a possessed object or something? Potentially. I could, I could hear arguments about that. Okay. But yeah, that's, um, that's what we're talking about for monsters. We're not talking about, uh, you know, this, this person is a monster because they killed a lot of people. And eh, it's not really what we're going for. We're talking about monsters that kill you in creative and weird and messed up and gross ways. So why don't we start with, well, I, I think we'll go, we'll go Scott, Grace, me for, for our initial order here. So Scott, why don't we get your number six? My number six was the first monster that I thought of when yep. we decided on this topic. But in thinking about it more, I decided it it was not worthy of the number one through five spot. But it definitely made my list. Uh, and that would be the Weeping Angels from Doctor Who. All right. I thought about them. Certainly one of the most creative ways to die. But for those of you who don't know the Weeping Angels, they resemble statues of winged humanoid angels. They cannot move while they're being observed, which makes them quantum locked. And the Weeping Angels are so-called because their unique nature necessitated that they often covered their faces with their hands to prevent trapping each other in petrified form for eternity by looking at one another. So this gave the Weeping Angels their distinct weeping appearance. It's a very bad design, like evolutionary design that looking at each other could lock each other into form for all eternity. Uh, yes, but it's it's a lot more than that, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, very but, effective episodes of the show, especially the first the first couple of times Doctor Who goes to this well, especially the first one. Um, very, sure. very effective. Yeah. They perhaps go to it uh, too many times. Well, let's, it's let's a very say. popular monster in that but those, universe. But, but that first episode especially, uh, the David Tennant one, which is called sure. Blink. Um, what, what a great episode. So to elaborate a little bit more, they were known for being kind, murderous psychopaths, eradicating their victims mercifully by, and that's quote-unquote mercifully, by dropping them into the past and letting them live out their full lives just in a different time period. This, in turn, allowed them to live off the remaining time energy of the victim's life. However, when the potential energy paled in comparison to an alternative power source to feed on, the angels were known to kill by other means, such as snapping their victim's necks. Um, so, I got a lot of details here, and I'll go through some of the more specifics on the angels, but for me, thinking about this, thinking about this as a form of death, one. These things are absolutely terrifying to look at, right? Um, they, they show, when they're showing their ferocity, they bear their fangs and claws. And, and when they're not being observed, they move incredibly fast, traveling great distances in the blink of an eye, hence the episode Blink or Don't Blink. Um, 
And they would often slow down the closer they got to their prey as though they were just playing with their food. It's terrifying. Um, but beyond that, it means if they touch you and send you back in time, you're living out your life completely separate from everything and everyone that you know and love. Now, you're, you're not really dying, per se, at that point. You're living out your life in a different time period or in a different location in space. But still, you lose everyone that you know and love. And I, I thought that was, that was pretty bad. That, that would make me very miserable. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not what you want, certainly. Uh, for me, I, you know, I, I, I love those first, first couple episodes with them, certainly. They didn't end up quite qualifying for my list just because, you know, if, if everything is going according to their plan, they're not actually killing you. They're just time-traveling you. And then, yeah. you die, then you die eventually of natural causes or however you end up dying. True. Um, not to say that we don't see them, like you said, we definitely see them kill uh, more directly. Uh, but right. uh, it's, a more, it's a more conceptual horror here than a, exactly. than a physical one. Which is why they ended up being number six for me. The, the monster design on them is really good. Um, and plus with the cinematography that they use and everything, um, just like the suspense that builds, like it makes them really spooky. But to me, like they're not that scary. Like, oh, you're just going to drop me <laughs> in a different time. Like I'm still like totally living out my life. Like I guess like being a woman anytime post the 50s is going to be awful, but... <laughs> Pre the fifties, like, you mean? Pre, yeah. Yes, pre the fifties and post the fifties. You know what? Just being a woman is awful. Um, so I guess it doesn't matter where you are or when. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows? They might drop you into a different civilization in space, and maybe they worship women. Yeah, that that'd be great. Then. I don't think All we. Right. I don't think we've seen them move like physically. We, distance we have actually. Them. So that that was okay, that came maybe, in later episodes. Yeah. Maybe um, I didn't. Maybe I didn't watch that far into Doctor Who it, to to know what they well, all the complex weeping angel lore that they came up with. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, right? And it, it kind of goes beyond just that initial stuff that you're aware of because, well, I, did you see the baby angels, for example? I they, don't remember that. Oh, the ch- weird cherub yeah, th- thing. They resemble cherubs. They're naked, infant-sized versions of adult angels, but they're possessed with the same traits as the adults, but when unseen, their footsteps and childlike giggles can be heard. And oh, good. that is additionally terrifying. Uh Doctor Who spoiler, I guess. Uh I checked out on the whole weeping angel thing when they made the Statue of Liberty a weeping angel because okay. that was <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah, that not great, not great. A little campy. All right, let me let me hit you with a couple other things though. So they are very powerful, physically strengthened, like have a very powerful physical strength. Um if they are sufficiently fed and have no need for further resources, it can kill by sneaking up behind their victim and breaking their necks. And they uh are able to break through steel doors. And they can force magnetized wheels to turn. It's a couple of things that just show off their physical strength. But they also have psychic powers. So when victims looked an angel in the eyes, the angel can infect their visual centers, creating an image in their mind. And the victim could then be mentally influenced by the angel until it becomes fully grown, at which point it could escape the person's body, killing them. 
this ability could only be stopped by shutting down the visual center, that is, by closing one's eyes. Um, other examples of their influence include making the victim count down the minutes to their death and making the victim hallucinate that a limb was petrified. Uh, they would also dissuade their host from closing their eyes, which would shut down their influence. Uh, anything with the image of a weeping angel, such as a photo or a video recording, also gained the abilities of an angel and would eventually become an angel, provided the image wasn't broken. So even mental images of sufficient presence and clarity could allow a weeping angel to take form within that person's mind, taking over and slowly transforming that person. I don't remember uh, any of this. No, it's, it's a lot of the newer stuff. An angel could also be created this way if an angel were to see itself as in a mirror. So the angel's reflection would be perpetually staring at itself for as long as the angel were reflected. However, once the new angel came into being, so long as the weeping angel continued to stare at its own reflection, more could be created. It's like, we're getting into, like, Superman territory of the only thing weeping angels can't do of what they haven't thought of yet. Yeah, this is, like, stuff they added in later episodes that I'm sure you didn't know about. But, it, you know, River Song has a book about the weeping angels, so you can... I, I, the book, I think, is called... It's just the book of the weeping angels. But sure. they're, they're not really stone, even though they look like stone. They only took upon that form when they're quantum locked to defend themselves and to hide as statues. Um, anyway, all that being said, they're kind of terrifying. I think it's more about their physical presence and the terror that you feel sure. knowing that they're coming for you and you can't blink. That's absolutely awful. The death itself, not, not completely horrible, but also to separate you from the ones that you love while, you know, grace would love to get away from you. It, you know, <laughs> most people would probably be pretty terrified of that. Rude. Well, she said it wasn't that big a deal. Remember? So, I just mean that, like, as opposed to the other deaths we are going to talk about, it is, you know, well, child's play. Sure. You better not be talking about Chucky. But <laughs> Chucky, not on my list. Let's be clear, right? I, I have this at number six because I personally would hate to have to die in this manner. To be fair. Yeah. Knowing all of my past life and self. And being forced to live out in a different time period. I'd do it because you gotta. You gotta soldier on. But it would suck. It would suck a lot. Yeah. So, anyway. Why don't we go to Grace's number six? Grace's number six. <laughs> uh, my number six. Chucky from it's Child's Play. Chucky no. from Child's Play. <laughs> Is it actually? It is oh, my God. Okay. Um, so I hate dolls. Wow. Uh dolls freak me out. Um, ever since I was a child and was being babysat by my mom's best friend, uh, and she made me stay in the doll room. The doll room. It was not good. Uh none of the dolls were completely intact. Uh and they all stared at me. It was a terrifying three nights. Um <laughs> But so I don't like dolls. Um, they freak me out. Chucky has always um, freaked me out. I've actually never watched the movie in its entirety, just because I know like it would freak me out so much. Um, 
like it would just be super embarrassing to be killed by a doll when I should just be able to just like drop kick him. Like <laughs> it should not be too hard for me to um to deal with this thing. Like he's he's what probably about the size of our dog, so I can just pick Modok up. I should be able to just pick up the doll and take away his little knife. <laughs> He's so supernatural, I... though? Question mark. I don't. I've also yes, never so, seen Child's Play, and I do not know the rules of Chucky. So Chucky is a. He was a doll that was given to this child, and then he is possessed by the spirit of a serial killer. Sure. Um, and then later on, there's like he gets uh Chucky's bride, and she is possessed by the serial killer's girlfriend, and so yeah, so he and like and then it becomes more of like. Uh, kind of satire horror where he does a lot of like bad one-liners and things and i would hate for that to be the last thing i heard jennifer tilly's in that movie right who's that jennifer tilly she's the one with the kind of squeaky voice i think she's in bride of chucky oh yes maybe i know that the mom in child's play uh is also the mom in seventh heaven <laughs> but yeah and then just the fact that he is He's, like, a maniacal serial killer. Like, he would just slowly torture you, and it would not be fun at all. I would not like that. Chucky from Child's Play. I uh, I did not anticipate this being on anyone's list. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, it's not on my list. Uh, not on my top six. Yeah, me neither. But I guess I, I would also yeah. not want to be murdered by Chucky the doll. I, yeah, it's it's mostly due to my own personal fears. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but it reminds me of the episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine where they end up staying in the doll room. Yep. Yep. That's what that's what it was like. Except they were all broken. <laughs> I feel Which like how, bro- how broken are we talking about? Missing limbs, missing eyeballs. Okay, that's uh, that's not some good. Of them some of them were made of like uh porcelain so they were like shattered or mm. like cracked you know like some of them had like glazed eyeballs like had hair falling out like man it was terrifying <laughs> they are I don't want to be sleep I don't want to uh-huh. be in the doll room I don't want to be you, in the doll room there is a a nice scene in my subdivision where somebody has a spooky dollhouse set up in their yard and there are similar limbs missing dolls and eyes and cracked in pieces and I'm like man this is that is the stuff of nightmares right there dolls in particular not a not a fear of mine but I could see how this could be on your list I guess Josh what's your number six all right, my number six. Uh, this uh, I'm gonna go significantly grosser than either of you. Um, this may be the one that um, could possibly be Grace's new number one, giving I know her feelings on insects. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Hey, maybe skip five ten minutes ahead if you don't like insect stuff. Uh, I'm going to uh, the book series Malazan Book of the Fallen, and we're talking about blood flies. Mm. So. There's a lot of creative ways to get killed in the Malazan universe. And of the ones that are done by things you could actually call monsters, this is the one that has stuck in my head the most over the years. 
so blood flies are large biting insects that when I say large, I mean like large in the conventional uh earth sense. They're not like, you know, giant, you know, giant no, bugs size like of you humans. would see in a sci-fi. No, I gotcha. no, no, nothing like that. They're just big flies. Um like and they live flies? on uh yeah, yeah, probably about that big, yeah. Um they live on, you guessed it, blood. Um to me, they're maybe the most horrible fictional insect I've read about. So there's multiple stages of things going on here that I'm going to walk us through. Step one, the bite. Uh, blood fly bites are extremely pain- painful to the point of being uh, debilitating. Just hurts really bad when you get bitten. Step two, the poison. The bite secretes poison into your flesh, necrotizing the flesh around the bite. Step three, the egg. Each bite deposits an egg into your flesh. The egg hatches almost instantly. Uh, Step four, the larva. The detached, the hatched larva then begins to eat the necrotized flesh. It's so gross. I hate it. This only made it to six on my list because like getting bitten by one or even a handful of them isn't actually going to kill you, but they're usually found in swarms. And if you're caught in a swarm of these things, you're probably dead. I told you you weren't going to like this one. Uh, so it's we definitely possible. have a duplicate coming up then. I already okay. know it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it. It's it's possible to survive um, even being in a swarm of these things by using a special tincture on the bites to force the larva to leave the body without eating the flesh, but then you are still left with permanent kind of like pox-like scars on your body. Now, for the worst part of the whole thing, these are based on real-life insects called bot flies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so they don't inject uh, eggs by biting you. They merely drop eggs onto the skin of creatures, uh, which then hatch and then burrow into your flesh. It's it's a real nightmare. Yeah. No, do not like that these things exist. I've... But yeah. Uh, last last note here I have on these. Um, back to an in-universe thing. Uh, another horrifying thing here. Uh, there is a type of shapeshifter in the Malazan world called a diverse. Uh, which turns from one person into many smaller creatures. Uh, one of these shapeshifters we meet briefly in one of the books it turns into blood flies. It's awful, and I hate it. Got a, thing, got a thing for bugs, huh? Ugh. I don't know. That 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 mental that mental image of getting caught. There, there's I believe book two is where you first see these things and. Um, uh, there is just a one scene with these that is just very, just immediately stuck in my brain of, oh, I, I hate this. This is very disturbing to think about. Sounds graphic. But yeah. Uh, Blood so, so Number six for me, just, just because one or two of these things ain't going to kill you. Takes a lot of them. Sure. But still horrifying. Either way. Well, Scott, why don't we jump over to your number five? My number five is one that I'm not sure if either of you have heard of. It is from Scottish mythology. Okay. It's called Ek Ushka. Hmm. So. I don't think so. For, for anyone who hasn't heard of this, it, it usually takes the form of a horse and is. Oh, a, a puka. It's, it's similar to a kelpie. I'm not sure what a puka is. A puka is like a horse demon. Uh, it's from Irish folklore that like eats your soul. 
Uh, no, this is different. No, okay. <laughs> uh, so it, it's similar to a Kelpie, but it's actually far more vicious. It's often mistaken for the Kelpie, which inhabits streams and rivers. The Ekushka lives in the sea, sea locks, and freshwater locks. So the Ekushka is a shapeshifter. It disguises itself as a, a fine horse, a pony, or sometimes a, like a handsome man, or in rare cases, an enormous bird. Uh, while in horse form, uh, if a man mounts it, he is only safe as long as the Ekushka is ridden in the interior of land. However, the merest glimpse or smell of water means the beginning of the end for the rider. For the Ekushka's skin secretes an adhesive, and the creature immediately goes to the deepest part of the lock with its victim. And it drowns its victim. So, yeah, you're like, oh, cool, I found this horse. And now I'm going to be killed. I, and I, I try to escape, and its skin secretes an adhesive to bind me to its body, and then it goes to the deepest part of the lake and I die. Awesome. I'm going to drown to death. In, yeah. you, you know, a very deep part of the water, which I'm mo- almost certainly has little to no light at that point. Yeah, that's pretty similar to the puka. Um, like, the one change of the puka is, like, it doesn't shapeshift. Like, it's just a horse, um, and it drowns you, but then, like, it eats your body. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. After the victim is drowned, the Akushka actually tears it apart and devours the entire body, except for the liver, which floats to the surface. The liver? Yeah, that's for weird. some reason. The uh, Scottish folklorist John Gregerson... Campbell, uh, recorded numerous tales and traditions concerning the Ekushka. In one account, a man who was about to be carried by the water horse into the lock was able to save himself by placing both feet on either side of a narrow gateway that the horse was running through, uh, wrenching himself off of its back through sheer force. Uh, The boy who had touched the horse with his finger and gotten stuck was able to save himself by cutting it off, and a Highland freebooter encountered a water horse in its human form fired his gun at it twice with no effect, but when he loaded it with a coin made of silver and fired again, the man retreated and plunged back into the lock. Uh, The Akushka is unpredictable. It has been known to venture forth on land and attack solitary individuals, while in other accounts it will allow itself to be used as farm labor until its owner gets on its back and is carried into the lock, which is also kind of terrifying. So in their predatory hunger, water horses may even turn on their own kind if the scent of a previous human rider is strong enough on the monster's body. So they can even be a little bit cannibalistic in that sense. But when I think about ways that I definitely don't want to die, drowning is very high on that list. Oh, I, I cannot imagine very many ways that are worse to die. But... Lo and behold, there are four more monsters ahead of this. So I did think of a few, or at least somebody thought of them, and I wrote them down. Uh, I just want to interject here real quick. Uh, Go for it. To, to populate our, our shared list here that we end up using at the end to, to make our unified list. Um, I was looking up the spelling. Yeah. And uh, on the Wikipedia page for the Ekushka, uh, is, it mentions another fictional bird called a boobri. Yeah, the boobrie. B-O-O-B-R-I-E, and that's a funny name. That's all. That's, a, <laughs> that's why I did not mention it, because it can take the form of a wa- large bird, kind of like the boobrie, but anyway. Boobrie. Mm-hmm, boobrie. 
Oh, aren't we just a pair of boobries? Grace, what's your number five? My number five is the Pale Man from Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, that's that's pretty good. I didn't yeah. I didn't even think of him. I considered this. So that's, uh, it's on my honorable mentions. So if you've not seen Pan's Labyrinth, uh, the Pale Man is a uh, he is depicted by uh, Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Right? He is amazing. Uh, I love him and everything that he does. He One does of the best physical actors out there. Yeah. Um, like, he doesn't say anything. He's just, like, goes, like, chases the little girl. Um, so, anyways, the little girl, uh, she has to get something out of the pale man's lair. And so, in order to get in, she draws a door in her bedroom with chalk. And then it magically turns into a door and she's able to go through to it. Uh, and the pale man is sitting at a table that is just laden with food uh, in a time um, during the Spanish Civil War where food was extremely scarce. Um, like people were making rock soup, basically. Um, Yum. So it's it's very tempting to the little girl. Uh, she gets what she needs out of his lair um, and she sees like these paintings on the wall that shows like what he does, which is he eats children. Um, and then it even pans over to like, you can see a pile of shoes, sh um, but there's no remains showing that he does eat the child whole bones and all. Um, and there's, uh, so she, uh, she does get tempted by the food on the table. Uh, even though the fairies tell her multiple times not to, uh, she is a little brat and <laughs> ignores them and eats a grape anyways, which is like everything on that table. You're going to eat a grape. Like that's what you're going to risk your, like your life for. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, I guess it's just like, I don't know. Uh, but so she, she eats a grape, uh, and that awakens the pale man who starts to come after her and two of the fairies fling themselves at him, uh, in a sacrifice to save her. Uh, and he, uh, he like eats one of the fairies by like just chomping down on it and ripping it apart. Like you can just see like the intestines coming out and hear the bones shattering and it's a awful scene. It's not great. Uh, do not like it. Um. And so there's also like the fact that he's just he is a disgusting monster design. Like there's just all this skin sagging off of him. Uh, he has no eyes um, on his face. His eyes instead are in the palms of his hands. So when he wants to see, he puts his hands up where his eyes would be. Uh, and his fingers themselves are like really long and look like they're kind of black and rotting and just a very not not fun thing that that's going to be like the last thing you see that like tears you apart and eats you bit by bit. Like, I would not want that at all. Um, so creepy. It's a good and pick. He kinda, and he kind of looks like Mitch McConnell. <laughs> does, uh, he does. Oh my God. <laughs> that's really funny. I, I did not come <laughs> up with that joke. I've, I've seen that posted elsewhere, but he does kind of look like Mitch McConnell. Uh, I did have one question rewatching that scene is like he so there's the paintings on the wall and he's like pretty much the only entity in his lair. There's no doors or windows into his lair. Um, the only way to get in is if you like draw the magic chalk drawer. Um, so like who the fuck painted those paintings? Like the wiki Listen, said that 
they think he paints them. <laughs> Listen, it's fairy stuff, like the mm-hmm. fae legends and stuff. Like logic isn't the, the most consistent in that kind of storytelling, right? Fairy stories and stuff like that. It's his lair's that way because that's that's what a creature like that would have a lair, like you know. It's just funny to me that it's like the idea that maybe he tried to paint them himself and he's like trying to hold the paintbrush with one hand and not poke his eye out while using his other eye to like see what the fuck he's doing. Like, that'd just be like the hardest fucking thing. <laughs> and then, um, like he does a good job. <laughs> but also like, why would you put up like the how-to of like how you're going to die on the walls? Like... Listen, he's, he's, it's an instructional work so that yeah. you can, you end up in his lair and you look and he's like, this is what you need to do. And then I'm going to eat you. Well, maybe he forgets, right? Maybe he forgets how to yeah, kill. Maybe it's a reminder for him. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's the next step. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> it's like, it's been so long. I don't know. Hmm. Made it on my honorable mentions list. So good choice I, yeah I, I this maybe could have made my list i'm not sure i'd have to think about it but i i did not think of the pale man but he's certainly a good entry creepy Mm-hmm. josh five go uh my number five is probably the well most well-known item on my list uh we're talking about the face huggers from alien specifically mm. yeah That's a good one. this is uh a duplicate alert okay Facehuggers are my number one. Oh, okay. Interesting. So wait, are we talking about just because the facehuggers then morph into xenomorphs, right? Right. So there's so more, and that's part of so, what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I maybe similarly to you put facehugger slash xenomorph because really it's the facehugger form that is most terrifying to me. But that's the second stage, right? It's all part of the yeah. xenomorph. Yeah. So and so the, the xenomorph. The if you haven't seen, um. If you haven't seen Alien, the, the xenomorphs are these creatures that have multiple life cycle or multiple steps in their life cycle, right? That starts as the egg, and then they hatch out of an egg into this face hugger creature, um, and then uh, then then you have uh, the chestburster part, and then that grows into the full on alien xenomorph creature that is uh, the right. primary antagonist of the movie. Um, and you know that thing kills you and eats you, and it but in like fairly more conventional monstery ways like it's messed up but it's the face hugger part that's the most disturbing here to me certainly same um like it's basically raping your mouth too isn't yeah, it yeah so essentially the the stuff i have here so a lot of um a lot of hr geeker's designs in this movie contain a lot of sexual metaphor and there i That's don't think there's anywhere yeah there, there there's nowhere this is more explicit than the face huggers specifically um so if you haven't seen the movie um what these things look like they're essentially like two large hands conjoined with a tail that looks like a spine um they hatch from an egg launch themselves onto the face of a nearby person the hands wrap around the back of the victim's head and it into, inserts a proboscis into their mouth and down their throat. Uh, they're essentially impossible to remove at this point. And like if you if you mm-hmm. try to, you're potentially tearing the skin off the host's head or crushing the skull rather than the face hugger coming d- detached. Yep. Um, it could it could tighten its tail around the host's neck as well. And true. its acidic blood prevents it from being cut away. 
Uh, and then, and then during this time, it's essentially impregnating the victim with a xenomorph embryo. Um, yep. Once the embryo has matured enough, the facehugger detaches and dies, and then eventually the xenomorph emerges as a chestburster, violently tearing its way out of the victim's chest in a juvenile form, which obviously kills the victim. It's it's very terrible. Yeah, this is this is terrifying. I. I don't like I don't, it at all. I don't mind most creepy crawlies, but in this case, this one literally attaching to your entire face, covering up everything, uh. and, it, and it's basically just keeping you alive as it deposits its embryo down your throat. Uh. That's terrible. Yeah, it's it's literally even the the, the proboscis that's gone down your throat is providing like life support as well. Yeah, it's like doing what it needs to do to keep you alive with sustenance and air and everything. Yeah, the host is kept alive, the creature breathes for the host, which is... Um, to kind of add on to that then, because there's a, there's a bunch of things here, and definitely trigger warnings for this portion of it. Uh, Giger's design for the alien evoked many um, contradictory sexual images, and as critic, uh, I think it's pronounced Jimena Gallardo, notes the creature's combination of sexually evocative physical and behavioral characteristics creates a nightmare vision of sex and death it subdues and opens the male body to make it pregnant and then explodes it in birth in its adult form the alien strikes its victim with a rigid phallic tongue that breaks through skin and bone more than a phallus however the retractable tongue has its own set of snapping metallic teeth that connects it to the castrating Vagina dentata. Oh, no, no. All of that? Fucking terrible. Just absolutely awful. Nothing about any of this sounds even remotely appealing. Uh, and I'm going to back, back this up for a second here. Um, the script for the 1979 film Alien was initially drafted by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. Um, Dan O'Bannon drafted an opening in which the crew of a mining ship are sent to investigate a mysterious message on an alien planet, and he eventually settled on the threat being an alien creature. However, he could not conceive of an interesting way for it to get onto the ship, but he was inspired after waking from a dream, and Shusett said, I have an idea. The monster screws one of them, planting its egg in its body and then bursting out of his chest. Both realized the idea had never been done before, and it subsequently became the core of the film. This is a movie about alien interspecies rape, O'Bannon said in the documentary Alien Evolution. That's scary because it hits all of our buttons, and O'Bannon felt that the symbolism of homosexual oral rape was an effective means of discomforting male viewers. Yeah, and a lot, a lot you can't say enough here about um, H.R. Giger as the design force behind the, the visual design, the artist that's, that's coming up with the whole visual design of this movie, um, because none of it would be as effective as it is without his just really unsettling, creepy designs for all this stuff. Yep, it was based on the uh, Necronom 4, um, and it was refined for the, the film. Um, the practical effects for the Xenomorph's head were designed and constructed by Italian special effects designer Carlo Rimbaldi, and species design and life cycle has been extensively augmented, sometimes inconsistently, throughout each of the films. So, yeah, I, I just... This is absolutely terrifying. It's, it's terrifying for a lot of reasons, but it's the... 
non-consensual embryo injecting and then the bursting with the 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 born the born again life for the next form i mean just nothing Having about that this parasite. is good yeah yeah pretty uh, pretty terrible no thank you that's a, a strong no thank you definitely I do have to mention, for those that don't know, uh, that scene that they filmed with the chestburster, uh, none of the actors knew about it. He decided that he, the director wanted it to be, um, wanted their reactions to all be genuine, and so they are in that scene. If you watch it, they, none of them knew that was going to happen. That's yeah, amazing. The, 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 the explosive nature of it, certainly. Um, they 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 had a rough idea of what was happening, but the exact nature of the effect and how much it was going to splatter everywhere and everything, they did not know. Yeah. So. No, thank you. I do not want anything mouth raping me, implanting its embryo, bursting out of my chest. This is absolutely the worst possible way that I would want to die. No, thank you at all it's it's bad i have four worse ones on my list but you oh, know, it's certainly real bad allegedly it's certainly real bad okay well what's i'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what's worse than you know mouth rape chest bursting uh well next then we're going to your number four though not nearly as bad definitely one of the better known on my list as well number four for me is the sarlacc pit oh okay so, Sarlacc from Star Wars, of course. Uh, Sarlaccs yes. were semi-sentient, plant-like, omnivorous creatures found on several planets across the galaxy. Not much no was known about this creature, but it was unique in terms of galactic species. Um, it, it lived to be tens of thousands of years old and reproduced by spores. And one particular specimen of Sarlacc was located in the Great Pit of Carcoon uh, on Tatooine, of course. And it tortured the now famous or infamous bounty hunter Boba Fett, who eventually managed to escape. While, of course, Jabba the Hutt claimed that it was his pet, it, it arrived on Tatooine of its own accord. Um, another Sarlacc can, could be found on, uh, I think it's Felucia. Near, yep. near this Sarlacc, uh, Shakti was slain, a couple spoilers here, by Darth Vader's secret apprentice, Galen Merrick. And a third Sarlacc was known to dwell in the pit on the planet Argonar's moon, Argonar 3. Yet, Wait, Dark, Darth Vader had a secret apprentice? Uh, is a video game. Oh, okay. Is it There's canon? A, it, well, according to the Star Wars wiki page that I was reading from, yes. But uh, the, a lot of Sarlacc stuff has became canon and not canon a lot over the years. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, well, let's let's talk about more specifically because there's some other stuff here that, you know what, you don't care about the other Sarlaccs, even though there is another one on Tatooine. Um, the Sarlacc was used by Jabba, of course, as one of his more cruel forms of execution. Um, the immobile and long-lived monster takes an incredibly long time to digest its prey, but it's reasonable to assume that its victims would eventually die of conditions like starvation, dehydration, maybe even suffocation. Um, but the Star Wars franchise's canon and legends 
uh, non-movie material, however, reveals that the Sarlacc's victims endure a far worse fate. Because according to the canon source book, Star Wars The Visual Encyclopedia, the Sarlacc's digestive fluids were also neurotoxins, which both immobilized its prey and kept them alive, conscious, and in a perpetual state of agony for the entire digestion process. Which indicates that the stormtrooper from who uh, Boba Fett stole the oxygen supply, uh, likely to counteract some of the Sarlacc's toxins, was alive and suffering in silence. But the Beskar plating and the other protective countermeasures on Boba Fett's armor likely heightened his resistance to the Sarlacc's toxins, giving him just enough strength to fight his way out of the beast. Uh, in Legends... The Sarlacc is even more horrifying as it telepathically tortures its prey as much as it does physically. Victims of the Sarlacc find their minds becoming linked with the beast and its other victims, making the Sarlacc grow more intelligent with each being it consumes. And in Boba Fett's second and final escape from the pit of Carcoon, as shown in A Barve Like That, The Tale of Boba Fett, Fett tricks the Sarlacc via one of its oldest victims to reactivate his jetpack blasting him free of his torturous prison. Even a year after his escape, Fett still finds himself telepathically connected to the creature. And it would have been gruesome enough if the Sarlacc's victims simply died within days as the beast digested them, but canon and legend sources highlight how truly torturous the Sarlacc's digestion process is. Despite only a brief time with the creature, Boba Fett suffers long-term effects from the Sarlacc in both continuities. In canon... Boba regularly immerses himself in Bacta, and in Legends, his metabolism was permanently altered in addition to retaining a mental link to the beast. Though the Book of Boba Fett only shows the inside of the creature for a brief scene, Boba Fett escaped what would have been a torturous millennium of prolonged life inside the Sarlacc. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Legends version the other the, if you're not familiar with the current terminology um the the old expanded universe star wars stuff that disney made not canon after they bought star wars um the the legend sarlacc much much worse than current canon sarlacc it it definitely is but in the current canon you're still being kept alive immobile and conscious, and in a constant state of agony, while slowly good, being digested for a thousand years. I love being digested for a thousand years. Who wouldn't want that? That, that sounds absolutely horrible. Slow, torturous death. Yep. No. And anything that happens very quickly, I feel like, is nothing compared to this. You could eat me in half, slice my head off, like, I'd rather drown than be tortured for a thousand years. It's pretty bad. Oh, enough of that. We can go to number four on Grace's list. What you got, Grace? Uh, my number four uh, is Shelob from Lord of the Rings. Ah, we're delving more into your personal fears. My personal fears? <laughs> uh, I am terrified of spiders. I don't like them. Uh, they have too many legs. They're creepy. Um, I don't want them anywhere near me. I especially hate like the swarms of spiders. I hate the idea of giant spiders. Um, and Shelob is the worst of them. Uh, like I considered um, the 
giant spider from Harry Potter that I cannot remember the name of now. Aragog. Aragog, yes. How do you remember that? And I don't. I read a post about Aragog like two days ago. But Aragog can be reasoned with. You cannot reason with Shelob. She is just... She she's gonna fucking eat you. She doesn't give a shit. Um, was that fuck she, and eat or fucking eat? Fucking eat. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah, she um the so she like she paralyzes you. Um, and then she wraps you in her, like, gross, sticky web, which is just, like, uh, if you're neurodivergent, you you have, like, the sensi- touch sensitivity, like I do, like, that alone is disgusting enough. Um, <laughs> like, do not want that. Um, but you're completely alert the whole time, but uh, you are paralyzed, cannot move, cannot scream for help, even. Uh, they In the movie, it shows, like, his eyes just wide in terror. Um, yep. And, and then I believe like the, the sticky web also is like supposed to like slowly, um, like soften you, right? Like it's supposed to like, like it's acidic. It's breaking Um, down your body. Yeah. Yeah. And then she eats you. So you're, and you're awake and paralyzed that whole time. Like that is awful and uh spiders are creepy and they have too many legs and they're too furry and i don't like them i'd like to insert uh (laughs) that just before i came to the recording the kids were playing with some of our various halloween decorations uh, among which is a, a large pile of fake spiders um like the uh floppy rubbery kind of spiders and one of them's like dad look out there's a spider. And I looked, I'm like, ah, a spider, like pretending, you know? And then he, he threw it at me and I looked at it and I'm like, wait a minute. And I'm looking, I'm like, a spider has 10 legs. Why does a spider have 10 legs? <laughs> <laughs> like, hmm. Trying to make it extra scary. I, I'm like, yeah, it, something's wrong with this. I don't think this is a spider if it's got 10 legs. Yeah, that's not biologically accurate. I'm like, maybe these front two are supposed to be fangs, but they resemble all of the other legs. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) So, Grace, would you like to know an expansion upon this idea? Oh, no. Shelob was on my honorable mentions. Shelob is a descendant of Ungoliant, who was the uh, original uh, first giant spider in this world. Um, which was a, uh, Ungoliant was a spirit of pure darkness that took on the form of a giant spider, um, bigger and nastier than Shelob was. Nope. Do not like it. Yep. Uh, I also, another personal, uh, thing with this is I, uh, I dated a guy in high school who had a tarantula as a pet who was named Shelob in, uh. He went to prom with me, and after prom, he decided it would be hilarious to put Shelob on my uh, prom dress, and that did not go well for either of us. He's dead now. <laughs> Shelob or no. the the guy? Uh, Shelob's probably dead. I don't know how long tarantulas live, but uh, I think they he live, like, is a not really long time. dead. But I don't think so. I mean, hmm. I haven't talked to him in like 10 years, so. I swear you were going to say that he he surprised you at the dance because he brought Shelob with him in his pocket and just like presented it on the dance floor. Oh, look who I brought with me. 
I would, he would be walking home if that had happened. Female tarantulas can live for up to 30 years. Damn! All right, Sheila might still be alive then. Male tarantulas generally live up to like eight years. It's a raw deal. That's a raw deal for the tarantula. The male tarantula. Hmm. Spiders, not a, not a fear of mine. Um, I will say surprise spiders are a fear of mine, but that's more yeah, about that's not the great. unexpected spider suddenly appearing and, and less about the actual thing being a spider. It could be a number of different things. It's the surprise. I don't need unexpected anything. Yeah, I definitely, like, you ever feel like that, like, just like a brush of something and you're like, oh my god, it's a spider. And you have to like, oh, I hate that. I it's hate usually that not so usually not my first thought. No, not mine either. This is always my first thought. <laughs> Even like walking in the morning sometimes or like going for runs early morning and you're like, oh, I'm going to run under this tree and you run through a web and it turns out it's, it's probably not a spider web. It's probably just a, I mean, I guess technically it is, but anyway. Like a cobweb, an old yeah. one. Well, not, nah, not really. Anyway, not the point. Spiders. Kind of gross. Josh, what's your number four? Uh, my number four uh, contains spiders sometimes. Oh, uh, is it? Hold on. Is it Grace's boyfriend from high school? He contains no. a spider. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I'm talking about The Thing from the movie The Thing. Also on my honorable mentions. Man, we're probably going to touch on all of them. Uh, I'm talking specifically about the John Carpenter film from 1982, which is the first remake, not the original 1951, The Thing from Another Planet, or the second right. remake from 2011. Uh, Good call. So, if you're not familiar, The Thing focuses on an alien life form, which crashed in Antarctica an unknown amount of time in the past. It's eventually unfrozen and woken up, and I'm going to skip over some light spoilers here, ends up infesting a sled dog that is taken in at an American research station. Over the course of the movie, it becomes clear that once this entity is able to get access to genetic material, it's capable of nearly perfectly replicating that creature, including humans. It's a really, really incredible, intense movie that I highly recommend if you like any horror movies at all, really, so I don't want to get into too many story details here, but... We do see a lot of nightmarish stuff from these, this thing. Uh, fairly early in the movie, we get to see it in process as it begins absorbing a kennel full of dogs. And it is uh, truly horrifying. I hate uh, that just, scene. Uh, everything is very wet. It's like covering the room with biological material and is apparently like slowly dissolving and mutating the dogs and incorporating them into itself. Uh and that and that's just the first monster y scene we get out of it. Later on, and there's a bunch of different things throughout the movie, but um the other kind of main one I wanna hit on here is we see a man's chest turn into a like a gaping maw that bites another man's arm off. And then that guy's innards then eject into the ceiling from the body. Uh, leaving thrashing whip-like tentacles, and then the, its innards are now a horrible spidery kind of creature that features the dead man's face. Yep. While this is going on, the corpse's head then falls off and becomes another different spidery kind of creature. Um, there's just a whole lot of nightmarish stuff that this thing can turn you into, and it is messed up and I don't like it. So I've got a theme here. 
for uh, all the rest of my the items on my list, um, including this one, which is things that can turn you into things. Because um, mm. I don't spoilers. like that. I don't like that at all. And we're going to hear mm. uh, progressively more horrifying versions of that, so just buckle up, I guess. Maybe, um, maybe not on your list, but what it made me think of was Chandra. Oh, the, the, from Mistborn? I, I yeah. guess, yeah. That's a... a Condra significantly um, less I aggressively like Chandra, horrifying. <laughs> well, they can potentially be friendly. The thing is just entirely malevolent. Yes. Uh, the thing with the thing that the thing? Uh, also makes it the thing, the thing with the thing uh, that makes it s- ultra scary too is like you just um, because you don't know who it's going to be, right? And so there's like that whole. Um, there's just, there's the suspense and the, like, not knowing and the distrust and, um, you know, spoiler alert, but at the end of the movie, it's like, there's two guys left and don't, either one of them could be the thing, both of them could be the thing, neither of them could be the thing, uh, but they're still both gonna end up dead. Yeah, it's a, it's an excellent movie. Absolutely love it. The 1982 Sorry. John Carpenter version, yes. And I, I recommended it to my son today. Yeah, I've, I've heard the, the 2011 one is all right, but not as good. I haven't watched it. The, the, the John Carpenter one, uh, in my opinion, the best John Carpenter movie. Just a masterpiece. Extremely critically panned when it came out, though. People did not like, critics did not like that movie, and it didn't do well in theaters, and it wasn't until it got home release later on that people were like, hey, this is actually very good. But yeah, that's uh, number four, The Thing from The Thing. Impossible to talk about The Thing without saying the words The Thing a lot of times. But, you know, that's how it goes. So, well, the, the thing with The Thing from The Thing, the thing is, it's actually the better version of The Thing. So I've heard. But yeah, that's uh, that's going to round out segment one here. Uh, we've hit our four through six, and then take we're going to take break. a little bit of a break here, and we're going to come back with our one through threes. So stick around, folks. Hello there. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you have show ideas or comments, you should reach out to us on X. No, you shouldn't reach out to us on X because it's pretty much going away at this point. I don't know if you've heard, but you now will have to start paying to have an account. Well, the post, but anyway, say again. I got, you're gonna have to pay to post. I think is the yeah. Thing. Okay, well, so stupid. We're um, yeah. Let's move on. Just email us. Don't. <laughs> Don't use X or Twitter or whatever. Just email us. Stupidsequence at gmail.com. That's S-T-U-P-I-D-S-E-Q-U-E-N-C-E at gmail.com. We like your fan mail. We do. Or you're not fan mail. We would prefer less hate mail. I'll take it. Do we get hate mail? Well, you don't. Do you you get hate mail? (laughs) Not yet. I welcome it, though. No, 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 no. Josh no. thrives on we, conflict. We don't need hate in this world. Of course he does. That's why we came up with this podcast. Yeah, that's so we can argue. We have a, why do you think we have an arguing podcast? 
Okay, well, well let, uh, let's get back yeah, to it. Let's get back in it. Scott, since we have a duplicate from, from your list in the top three already, let's mix yeah. up the order. Grace, you get to go first. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is my number three, right? Your number three. Yes. yes. My number three is Envy from Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, okay. That's not bad. Uh, so Envy is one of the seven homunculuses that exist. Uh, hum- he homunculi? Before, without even without even having read your notes, uh, this is if you're sensitive to spoilers and don't want to be spoiled on Full Metal Alchemist, definitely skip this entire segment. Yeah, for sure. The because uh, definitely the bit that I'm going to talk about is a huge, uh, a huge spoiler. Uh, yes. So uh, so envy is a homunculus that embodies father's envy. Father is the one that com. com- created all the homunculi um and envy is able to shapeshift into any person uh and so he could kill you with the face of one of your loved ones so not only are you going to die you're going to die by the hands of someone you love and care about um seemingly like and you might not even realize that it's envy like you might think that like the person that you love has killed you um and then not only do you die uh so like so the actual death, like you should, so envy, uh, has a couple of different ways. It's you mostly uses um, weapons, things like that, uh, guns. So you're probably not gonna die in like the worst way, but it's what comes after, uh, that is bad because envy is a giant an amalgamation of every human he has ever killed, uh, trapped in constant torment and forced to participate in all of his heinous crimes. So. You become like this giant monster creature contained within envy that is just a million tortured souls screaming for all eternity. And all uh, the faces are in there too. Yep, all the faces, they like come out of the skin. It's terrifying. It is not good. I don't like it. Uh, I would not want to become part of that. Um, it is, it's got some like, the like clay face kind of feeling like uh yeah i would not want to become a giant blob of screaming humans terrorized for all of eternity uh but yeah so not only is uh envy this like awful human clay mesh of torment uh, but it's also just not a good person. Envy's not a good person. He uh, he envies all of humanity, um, and so in doing that, he uh, creates a whole war by killing one little girl. Uh, is when he shapeshifts into uh, this, a soldier, um, and then that create that gets the war started. And so with one bullet, he is able to kill thousands hundreds of thousands of people um and all of those people become part of him and their souls trapped uh within his flesh prison uh and it's just not not good so i'm only vaguely familiar with full metal alchemist and i'm i'm definitely not familiar with this as a concept but i gotta say that sounds awful and weirdly similar to something else that i'm sure we'll discuss Mm. Mm. terrible just absolutely terrible can he like possess you by biting you also i i don't remember that i think that's a thing i remember him like turning into 
they like are able to leech some of the souls from his body and he turns into like a a tiny little chameleon thing and they trap him for a little bit but spoilers wow i mean the spoiler about him starting the war is that's a big fucking deal in the yeah, that's, show. That, that, is a, that is a larger spoiler sure. way to draw attention to it <laughs> we warned people now i can we never did. watch that show i mean you can you can you'll forget about it yeah i probably will what show is this Full Metal Full Alchemist. Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. Which, also, uh, one thing that I could not um, put on our list, but I will mention, um, because it's not a monster, but it is a terrible way to go, is uh, the, the Chimera. Chimera episode. Yep. That, one's, that <laughs> one's worse. Yep. So That, that one's worse. But uh, also the person who does it is just a dude. Yeah, he's just a dude, uh, but he... Basically, what is awful about it is that he is like, um, makes a chimera by murdering the body of his daughter and her pet dog. And so they are both trapped together in this, like, monstrous form. And it just, just to it's see the up. dog with the hair and going like, Daddy, why? <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> All you can do is laugh to stop from crying. Yep. (laughs) I don't want to get merged with a dog. Or or a homunculus. Hmm. Josh, what's your number three? Let's keep going. All right. Well, my number three is... uh, I think my my only other good chance for a duplicate here. I'm going to the Stranger Things well. And we're talking about, I have kind of the uh, Mind Flayer slash Flesh Thralls as a specific aspect of the Mind Flayer here, because there's a lot going on with the Mind Flayer. Not a duplicate on my honorable mentions, though. Mm-hmm. And in fact, of, my, my son thought of this as well. I considered the Demigorgon, but not the Mind Flayer. So um, if you're not familiar with Stranger Things somehow, uh, the important thing to know for what I'm focusing on here is in that show, there's a kind of parallel reality called the Upside Down. It's kind of a dark reflection of reality that's filled with gross creatures and monsters, the most notable of which the show calls the Mind Flayer. Uh, So the Mind Flayer itself is kind of a large, malevolent, spidery cloud thing that hive minds with many of the creatures from the Upside Down. It seems to want to enter our world and maybe destroy it? It's unclear at this time. Um, over the course of the show, we see a bunch of different monsters that it controls, but the most disturbing thing that we see by far, in my opinion, are the Flesh Thralls in Season 3. So, skipping over some more spoilery, spoilery story details, um, a major plot thread in that season shows a number of entities that become possessed by the Mind Flayer, which are then called the flayed. Initially, we just see swarms of rats that are flayed, but it becomes clear over time that large numbers of humans have also been flayed. Uh, eventually, the mind flayer asserts more control over the flayed and melts them down into goop, which it then forms together into more powerful host bodies for the mind flayer. It's extremely gross when you see it happening with the rats, and then it gets a whole new disturbing layer added onto it when it starts happening to people as well. Um... Uh, this was like 
you know there, there's some like messed up stuff in the first two seasons of this show but this is like an extremely gruesome turn that the show takes in the third season that i was not at all ready for um because it's very gross and very disturbing um that what you see happen uh with the whole melting down into flesh process uh and i, I don't i don't like it at all it's, it's really gross being melted down i must not have liked it either because i've completely blacked it out so oh you don't remember that at all i don't remember it at all yeah i'm actually i i know what you're talking about now that you're talking about it but i forgot about that aspect of it yeah it's specific like like all most of the other stuff in stranger things it's like oh that's kind of gross or like oh no that guy got eaten or whatever but then it's like but this thing was like oh this is horrifying in a way that they really kicked it up a notch here and then season four i think kind of mostly dials back from that there's some of the vecna specific the the specific vecna levitating thing that happens in season four is like like uh, all the more, bones break more, and... yeah that's that's more violent i would say but like the specific thing with like the flesh melting down and everything is just gruesome in a way that the show has not replicated since and certainly hadn't done before so uh hmm. it it is I, uh i guess i didn't even think of it that way that's a pretty no. horrific way to dot being liquefied into a separate monster form joined with the uh biomass of a bunch of other people and rats and potentially other monsters other other creatures and then being mind controlled by uh a, a spider cloud of darkness a malevolent spider cloud of darkness pretty bad way to go i think yeah hmm not not great yeah i didn't think about that aspect of it but that's a good idea so from there my number 3 the flesh thralls of the mind flare from Stranger Things. Let's go hmm. to what's next, uh, Scott. Your number three. I don't really want to be melted down into a pile of ooze either. I don't think any of these. I mean, I don't really want to die like at all. That's fair. But I don't disagree. If I had to choose the way, it would not be oozing. Uh, if okay, I had to well, choose the way, it would be getting Thanos snapped. Because cool. that's just like. Yeah, it's instant, that, painless. Yeah. 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 Top top 10 ways to die. It's quick, it's easy <laughs> and it's free. No, I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is maybe not the right topic. All right, so number 3 for me. Uh this one is a mix of mythology but also looking at the representation in the TV show Supernatural, we have the Wendigo. Ooh. Oh yeah. So in the mythology, the Wendigo. did you? Okay, good, good. Uh, the, in the mythology of the show, a Wendigo is a former human whose cannibalism transformed them into a literal monster. So the act of cannibalization was usually forced upon them through extreme starvation. Now, Wendigo are fast, strong, and more terrifyingly, they are capable of mimicking human voices, which often leads people into the woods or into wherever their lair is. According to John Winchester's handy journal, the term Wendigo translates to evil that devours. 
for whatever reason, the consumption of human flesh, which some cultures believe contains unique abilities when consumed, gave these people enhanced strength, speed, agility, and extended life. Living in the woods, they become perfect hunters as they lured humans out of their campsites and into the night. They no longer look like people, but take on a mutated appearance, and the only way to kill them is with fire. Most of what is shown in Supernatural about the Wendigo comes straight from the legends. Their giant, goblin-like appearance is a result of extreme emaciation, with bodies that seem practically meatless. Their bones can be viewed through their flesh, and in most depictions, they're completely hairless. In the stories, their bodies are described as being unclean from the ultimate betrayal that comes from eating their own species in an act that's poisoned their souls and minds, as if the evil bled through to the outside. The Wendigo comes primarily from Native American folklore and translates to the evil spirit that devours mankind. So not that far off. We're worth noting here. Yes. We can interject. Um, Specifically, it is kind of like Great Lakes region um, of uh, Native American tribes that this uh, originally came from. So shout out to Michigan. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan are all... um, part of the lore but anyway uh, a longer version of what is said in supernatural and historically associated with cannibalism murder and greed overall they are a representation of greed and almost anything that can be considered an extreme cultural taboo if someone committed a sinful act they were thought to be possessed by a wendigo similar to the series a wendigo is created whenever a human must resort to cannibalism to survive And the legends began when aboriginal peoples and settlers started finding themselves stranded in the bitter northern winters for days, driven mad by hunger to the point where they were forced to eat their own dead in order to survive, or even kill their hunting partners. Their true origin, however, can be traced back to the nations of the northeastern seaboard. The legend serves as a warning against selfishness, with the hunger of the Wendigo as a symbol of greed. No matter how much they consume, they'll never get full. Many people... um, I'm sorry, many believe they are also a representation of colonialism, as indigenous peoples were forced to watch white strangers come on their land and take it all for themselves, wiping out any tribe that got in the way. They were greedy and insatiable. Nothing was enough, and the Wendigo, whose skin is often described as being ash pale, could very well be designed to resemble a hideous mutated European. Also, most stories about them grew in popularity upon the arrival of the colonials. So while Supernatural did follow the bare bones of the legend, this version of the Wendigo kind of barely scratched the surface of the monster's rich history. This is also one of those monsters in Supernatural that only appears one time. Isn't it the They're, first episode? Uh, second episode, actually, yeah. Um, it's the first official hunt, because the first episode was kind of like a, uh, they stumbled upon a hunt. But, right. But the, the second episode was their first official hunt. Well, I don't remember that at all. Very, very but good. I've, uh, I've watched episode. that episode in probably, uh, what, 15 years? I mean, it's from 05, I guess. Yeah. But more specifically, when I think about this one, I think about you're camping in the woods. You have good intentions because you hear a voice of, let's say, a woman yelling for help. And so you run after her thinking, I'm going to go save whoever this person is from whatever they're dealing with. And it's actually just a Wendigo luring you in. And after they do, it's basically 
it's not cannibalism because they've mutated beyond humans at that point, but it it is in some ways you're being consumed. Um, I didn't really cover it here, but Wendigos don't actually kill people immediately. They they uh, capture you and then while they're hibernating, they slowly consume you. And so you're getting pieces eaten out of you a little at a time. And so you have to deal with the pain while, while the creature is nearby and you're captured, you have to deal with the pain and slow processing of they're taking your fingers or a chunk of your arm or a piece of your, your leg or foot or whatever right out of your stomach this time. You don't know. And I don't want to be slowly eaten by something that hibernates over a period of time. Yeah, that sounds, sounds bad. very torturous. I don't want that either. So, when to go for me, cannibalistic, but also the fact that I feel like I'm being tricked into it because I've, I have good intentions for helping someone or like being lured into the woods, and then the mimicry is what gets me. You can't trust the woods. <sighs> can't trust the Wendigo. Luckily, you keep fire nearby, and you're good. Sounds like the name of like an indie folk song. Can't trust a Wendigo. Hmm. Maybe you should write that song. Grace, what's your Probably number not. two? My number two is Ko, the Face Dealer from Avatar. Uh, ah. The last airbender. So Ko is a spirit from the spirit world. Uh, he is older than the world itself and uses the knowledge he has gathered over his long life as bait uh, to lure in his prey. So uh, if you show any form of emotion on your face, Ko is able to steal your face, uh, leaving you an emotionless husk, unable to sleep or eat, barely existing, trapped in a form of constant terrifying confusion uh, to wander the spirit world forever or until you are killed by an outside force. And and then you uh your soul goes on to another awful ending in the spirit world. Um Ko so has millions of faces that he has uh gathered over his life. Um and the body of a giant centipede like creature. Uh it's not good. I don't like it. It's too many legs. I don't like things with too many legs. Um yep. also like the whole emotion thing, I would lose immediately. I cannot. I cannot. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I, I would not this. be able. Would not be able to hold a straight face for any length of time. <laughs> I would immediately be dead. Yeah, you'd you'd you you would you would lose that one. Yeah, I would just like you just like ask me a question, any random question, I would just burst into laughter, and I'd be like, oh, I'm dead trying to think of who in the avatar universe would actually oh uh what's her face um uh my that yeah. the she'd probably be fine yeah probably she'd, she'd probably like go out she's, she's pretty stoic oh Toph, yeah Toph could do it yeah probably. Toph, probably Toph do could it. do it Oof, yeah i forgot about this but now that you are um now that you've brought it up and i've looked up the images of it i'm like oh right yeah, it's been a long I, time since I watched Avatar. I also forgot about this, but I'm like, oh my god, yeah that that was like 
it almost came out of nowhere how creepy or terrifying that was. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it it really was like for a kids show, uh, you know, yep. it was definitely one of the more terrifying uh concepts on that show for sure. That was even in the first season. Yeah. Was it the first season? Yeah, I just checked. That's the end of the first season, which the first season is a lot more kid focused, you know. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and like he steals the face of one of the avatars to, as well. Um, after he steals the face of the avatar's uh, love interest. Yeah, not what, not what you want. I don't want my face stolen, or any of me stolen, really. Nope. Hmm. Yep. Stuff of nightmares. Completely forgot about this. There's a lot of. I think we've 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 done a lot of um, things on this list that I was like, oh, I have not thought about that in a while. That's or I had not considered that for the list. Co the face stealer, absolutely terrifying centipede creature. Terrifying. Don't don't but eat me. I guess he doesn't kill eat me? you. How does it? I guess he's. Just is he actually face? killing you, Grace? I don't think so he's, he's actually killing you. Forcing well, you to he... wander in the spirit world. Yeah. For eternity, you're like a lifeless husk, so you can't feel anything, you can't eat, you can't sleep, uh, you are just like this this confusion, like basically like major dementia, like you are barely existing at that point, so that is why I think it is a death of some okay. kind. Okay. Like you're, you still exist, but barely. <laughs> you're shunted to the spirit world. Yeah, you're you're basically like made into a plant at that time point. Like, I don't want to be a plant. Hmm. I'm gonna hold my tongue here. Josh, mm, what's your okay. number two? Uh, my number two is not a plant. Um, it's much more horrifying than that. Uh, I'm talking about we're going to the video game well, uh, or the game Dead Space survival horror game. Uh, we're talking about necromorphs. Are either of you familiar with necromorphs really at all? Nope. No. I can imply based on the name, but nope. So uh, let's dig into it a little bit. Uh, Dead Space sci-fi survival horror game series uh, taking place hundreds of years in the future of Earth. I'm not going to get too much into the story side of things here because while the first couple Dead Space games are incredible, a lot of the larger story and lore uh, become increasingly dumb as hell over time. Uh, so we're just going to focus on the monster stuff mostly. Uh, so in the first game, we see engineer Isaac Clark become trapped on the USG Ishimura, a planet-cracking starship that has been consumed by a mysterious outbreak of horrible creatures called necromorphs. Long story short, these are created by a pathogen that infects necrotic tissue. It's capable of reanimating and significantly mutating corpses, which happens extremely rapidly, sometimes taking mere seconds. Uh, and because this is a video game, there are a ton of different versions of Necromorph, so you can have good enemy variety. So I'm really just going to focus on a couple of them here. So, uh, but you know, really, so far, this kind of mostly sounds like your standard virus zombie, you know, which, while disturbing, wouldn't have gotten them this high on my list. Uh, the mess bar messed up part is really the transformation stuff that happens. So the property, or the process of mutation seems to mostly disregard existing limbs that are on the corpse, instead growing horrible new limbs and or tentacles onto the body. 
that are then used as its primary limbs. Uh, so you end up with like the vestigial, like smaller human arms and or legs with like these more monstrous run- ones that have sprouted. Uh, the, the standard necromorph, which is called the slasher, sprouts long clawed limbs from its upper back that then kind of hook down and hang beside the head, almost like they're large wings. Uh, we also, in the course, in, in, in the, there's another one that shows up in the first game. Um, see, there are babies that have been infected by the pathogen that become lurkers, and they sprout spiked tentacles from their backs that are capable of flinging barbs at their targets. Uh, and there are other why variants. Are there, why are there babies on a spaceship? You know, the game doesn't dig into that too much. Um... The second game makes a lot more sense because, like, it's happening, like, on a space station where just, like, civilians are living, but, and the, the, the Ishimura is, like, a really, really big ship, so, like, I guess, like, families could be living there, but it's mostly, it's, like, a lot of miners and stuff. Um, it's unclear why there are so many babies on this ship, but, you know, like I said, the story, the larger big story picture in Dead Space, maybe not. Maybe not the 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 best storytelling there, but the moment to moment actually like scary stuff and conceptually the um these horrifying creatures very very affected effective. Um, there are other variants that focus more on spreading the pathogen. Some that focus more on just murder. But Wait, in I general, figured it out. The babies uh, are the ones that painted the things in the pale man's room. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Crossover. Nailed it. Oh yeah, the the all the all the variants of necromorph here are very gross and disturbing, um, and just the amount of uh, you know body horror is if you, depending on how much body horror gets you gets me pretty good. Um, it, it it it's very very disturbing, and I don't want that to happen to me. You know, that uh, seeing you know, and I, I encourage you, you know. Look! Look up! Look up pictures. It's gross. Oh, I and messed am. up. There's some really cool ones. Uh, I'm looking at the this one. Yeah, there's some know. like really Kinda big looks like ones. A scorpion. There, there's some really big like ones crawling. that like um that are a lot harder to kill or more armored and stuff like that. And then eventually you can even get like some like really really big ones like that are like blocking like a whole engine of the spaceship and everything because so much necrotized flesh has been animated by this um by this pathogen and has joined together in this kind of like way larger monster that's a boss fight kind of thing you know because video mm-hmm. games um but uh, uh yeah i guess uh, spoilers for dead space three uh the the final fight of that whole series is you fight a moon that is all necromorph it's just a whole moon. Don't like it, that. that. That's kind of stupid. Uh, <laughs> um, like I said, bigger picture hmm. dead space stuff. Pretty it kinda, stupid. Kind of looks but, like Cthulhu. But, is that better or worse than the moon being an egg? Uh, the moon being an egg episode of Doctor Who is very, very stupid. Um, not a fan of that one. Uh, this is certainly more disturbing. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh that's my number two. Necromorphs from Dead Space. Um it's Creepy. really, I think, more than anything else is that transformation and you get some real close ups of it. The, the the this early this year, 
they came out with a remake of the first game that is uh, the graphical fidelity is way way better on and boy uh, you get some real close-ups to some of the transformations and things that happen and it's very disturbing i highly recommend it it's really good sweet so it's not Scott, really my from style there, of game but that's fair pretty that's cool fair. pretty cool images that i'm seeing besides the moon one that's kind of ridiculous yeah, the, moon, the moon the moon the moon thing's pretty stupid but well, let's let's jump over to your number two scott which is the final item on your list it is it is since your my number one of number one the yeah the alien and xenomorph uh face hugger combo uh my number two is Gatana thoa from hp lovecraft mythology Katana Thoa, or the Dark God, is a fictional entity who first appears in the 1935 story Out of the Eons, ghost-written by H.P. Lovecraft for Hazel Hailed. Uh, Lovecraft presents the monster as a gigantic abomination whose appearance is so hideous that anyone who gazes upon it or its image is petrified into a living mummy. So with that being said, it should come as no surprise that in H.P.L. Mythos, its father is Cthulhu. Speak of the devil. Uh, The creature is described as a hellish god or patron demon brought to Earth in prehistoric times by aliens from Yagoth, which identified elsewhere. It is the home planet of the Migo, which coincidentally were a close HP Lovecraft monster that almost made this list as well. Oh, Migos? Um, The the, the rapper? No. They... So... They built a colossal fortress atop the mountain Yadith Go in Kana in the lost continent of Mu and sealed Gatanathoa below it beneath a vast trapdoor. And when humans arose after the departure of the aliens, they too worshipped the monster out of fear of its frightful power, offering its sacrifices lest it emerge from its crypt and wreak havoc. Though Gatanathoa is said to be indescribable, it appears to combine aspects of an octopus and an elephant and to be both scaly and wrinkled while remaining amorphous. Yeah. Yeah, kind of gross. Um, but it's indescribable because you can't look at it, right? So this is where it gets me and the main reason that I put this on my list because there are a ton of HP Lovecraft monsters that oh, yeah. could have potentially made this. I mean, there's some serious bad dudes in this universe. But this one in particular, the victims of Gatanathoa are permanently immobilized, their skin taking on the consistency of leather, their internal organs are preserved indefinitely, with the brain remaining fully aware. Only the destruction of the subject's brain or the application of a magical scroll can free it from its hellish prison, though the uh, the person is likely to be incurably insane long before that welcomed release. So they're experimenting on you, they're torturing you, and you are just alive indefinitely in mummified form and just dealing with it. Until, you know, eventual release. I wonder why a mummy? I don't know. Pretty terrible, though. Um... One small interesting fact, Gatanathoa, or Got, appears in the 2022 horror comedy movie Glorious, which is voiced by J.K. Simmons sure. <laughs> as a god inhabiting a rest stop bathroom. I don't think I've heard of that movie. Neither no. have I. 
But I saw the fact about J.K. Simmons, and I'm like, yeah, all right. Uh, J.K. Simmons, truly one of the greatest actors of our time. Bring me Spider-Man. Spider-Man, uh, J.K., J.K., uh, J. Jonah Jameson, the number one on my list, actually. Who could have guessed? Hmm. Alliterative, alliterative names. Top ten alliterative names. I'm going to be a lot of superheroes in there. All right. That's that's what I got for Katana Thoa. I I hate the idea that I'm I'm just I'm I'm going to be tortured for as long as they so choose, doing whatever to me, and I'm completely aware of it and preserved until they're just like, yeah, I'm done. And then do it. Similar to the the Shelob thing. Yep. Scott, Scott, your theme here. I think your overarching theme, biggest case, is uh, being tortured for a long time. Uh, yes, that that is a. That is a good way of putting it because, well, except for the xenomorph, um, True. but yeah, Gatanathoa, Wendigo, they preserve you. The Sarlacc pits like a thousand years. Uh, Ekushka, not so much. That's that's drowning, and I do not want to be drowned. But Weeping Angel, yeah, absolutely. That's you're basically forced to live out your life elsewhere. Terrible, 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 terrible. I'm gonna die. Make it quick. All right, well, we're going to go to Grace, your last item then. You're number one. Oh, yeah. What do you number got? One. Uh, my number one is a Titan from Attack on Titan. Oh, no. I've, <laughs> I've never watched this. Uh, so uh, Attack on Titan is a, an anime. Uh, it's a shonen anime. Um, it's very good. I would say probably uh, one of my favorite of all time. Uh, I normally don't like shonen animes, but this one is just got fantastic story. Well, um, I'm going to interrupt for a second. What's a shonen mm. anime? So a shonen anime is... A Dragon is... Ball. A Naruto. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. It's, the, it's more of the, like, so it's... So there's like there's there's shonen there's shojo. Shonen is for more for boys, um, where shojo is more for girls. So shojo is gonna be like your romance, your magical girls, you know, your slice of life. Where shonen is going to be the like the fighting animes and more the like your focused. bleach and your yeah. More... Yasha. Yes. Hmm. So those are shonen. Full okay. Metal Alchemist. Shonen literally means few years, according to this, and it typically refers to young boys under the age of 15, which is the target demographic. Yep. There you go. Scott, how do you feel so, about constant, incessant shouting? Because that's so Attack yeah. on Titan. Every line is shouted. There's a lot of that. Uh, Not a fan. But it, uh, so in Attack on Titan, it is it exists in this world uh, where, as far as you know, um, there is one ci- one city or like one area that the humans live in, um, and all the rest of the world has been wiped out. Uh, there is nothing outside. Uh, so basically, they live in this one, like this giant um, area that I would say is probably like. They say it's about the size of like four states, um, it's, and it's, it's fantasy Germany. Yeah, it's completely surrounded in a big wall, um, and then there's like there's two more inset walls inside of it. Uh, so kind of like um, what's the town from Avatar that's like that? Bossing say. 
Bossing Say. So it's kind of like Bossing Say, where it's got like there's all the rich people live in the the super inner cycle circle, uh, and then like the more like the middle people um live in the middle circle, and then like all the farming and everything happens in the outer circle. Um, and then there's also like towns in that that are set at different areas um, around the um around the wall uh to like because when there's a lot of humans in one space that attracts the titans which is the monster of uh this anime um titans are giant uh human like creatures um some of them can be from 15 feet tall to 30 feet tall or more uh there is one that is 100 feet tall um they are they're t- they're naked. Um, they ain't got no they, genitals. They do not have genitals, except for in the weird live action movie. I don't know why they decided to keep the genitals in that. Uh, but um, they are in a lot of the times. Also, they are like mutated. Like they're not just like oh, we took a human and like just sized it up. Like no, a lot of the times it's like oh, this this titan has like a really big fucking head or like really long arms or and and almost all of them tend to seem male um there are like a couple that could seem female or androgynous um and then there's one main character that is like oh that's the female titan uh but so they are they're just these giant um human creatures they have no real consciousness um they just have their one ravenous desire to consume human flesh um that is what drives them completely uh so they and they are constantly like trying to get in like past the wall um they do send out uh scouts to like try and like hunt some of the titans down and like thin out the population um, for the most part, they when this anime starts, they talk about like, oh, it's been a hundred years since uh, there's been a Titan attack. Like, we're safe, we're fine. It's you know, there's no problem. But then, of course, like that, uh, the wall gets broken down by the hundred foot tall Titan, um, the colossal Titan, as they call him, uh, and then the main characters, uh, um. Aaron and Misaka are seen like fleeing from the the Titans. Um he so the Colossal Titan lets in all the other like smaller Titans and they start to like rampage and eat people. Uh and Aaron, who's the main character, his mother, um, she kind of sends them off. She gets trapped under their house when it fell uh in the um and all of the chaos uh and she ends up getting like picked up by one of the titans and eaten alive um and that is an just a terrifying scene uh and it is the scene that like kind of creates Aaron and uh drives him uh because he is just has this utter hate for the titans um just because like all he can see them as is just these ravenous monsters uh, they have no personality. They have no soul. They are just, they're just menace. Um, and just, uh, they're just terrifying. Big, 
awful. Um, but so what I really don't like about them is that because they come in different sizes, there are different ways that you can be eaten. Um, so at one point, Aaron is shown he is attacked by a titan and bit in half. Uh, he is bit and his leg is broken. He gets his arm ripped off um, and is basically chewed. Like you are like you're being like, what's the word? Mastic- Masticated. 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 Uh, while you're being chewed completely like covered in like the slime of their saliva and like you're screaming for help as like these giant teeth are just coming down on you um and then if you don't end up dying in that situation like if it doesn't um bite into your skull and make your head explode um and your brain matter go everywhere then you get swallowed and are then uh in the titan's stomach and they do show in the anime that there are multiple people who, like, if you get eaten by one of the bigger titans, you might just get swallowed whole. And then you're um, going to just be um, slowly dissolved in the stomach uh, acid of the titan. Um, and And also, while you're in there, like, just, I think the thing that gets to me is the, like, the psychological part of it, because you are just you are faced with the reality of your situation that not only have you been eaten by a giant fucking human uh, and you are now being dissolved slowly um, and will soon be regurgitated uh, into a giant glob-like mix of human remains um, with other things because they can only eat so much and so they regurgitate it to eat more humans. Um, but you are also burdened with the knowledge that these titans aren't just monsters. They were once humans themselves. Uh, the population of this, um, this world, uh, they are all have the ability to become titans. And if they are injected with titan blood, they will become these monstrous creatures. Um, and in fact, the titan that eats Aaron's mother was his father's ex-wife. Spoilers. So there is a bunch of story with that. Um, so I, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you for a second here because I want to make sure I understand. The name of the show is Attack on Titan, right? Yes. I, and of course, I don't know what Titan is, but Attack on Titan, they mean like you're attacking Titans? Yes. I, I thought Titan was maybe a city or something. No, that the creatures no, yeah. are Titans. Yeah. yeah, the creatures are Titans, and so it's like an attack on them. Um, but then, of course, the the psychological twist of it all is that they are fighting themselves. Yeah. Gross. Yep. I uh, if if we were, uh, we've talked before about potentially someday doing the um the idea of worst fictional worlds to live in. Um, this is a strong oh. contender for that. Yeah, Titan. Yeah, the Attack on Titan verse is not great. Yeah, this is kind of terrifying. It's a terrible world. It's terrible. You don't want to be there. Yeah, the the best thing about about that universe is the cool like uh flying gear that they get. Uh oh, the the zipline stuff. That that stuff is cool. Okay, so we have uh we have Scott's theme was uh being tortured for a long time. Grace's theme. So Scott's greatest fear is being tortured for a long time. Grace's greatest fear is being consumed. 
Yeah, being eaten alive. I yeah. do not want to be eaten we alive. Have a, we have a number of those on your list. And then mine is mine is the transformational nature. The body horror, if you will. Mm. Yeah, and I'm I'm now looking at some live action stuff uh from the Attack on Titan movie and there's <laughs> some weird stuff going on here. Yeah, I don't think that live action movie is supposed to be good, right? No, it's not the greatest. It looks the ridiculous. Anime is good, it looks <laughs> It does. Yeah, it does. I mean I love me a big monster the, movie, but this is just, this looks stupid. And, and the fact that they decided to keep the genitals in when they could have so easily, like, um, edited that out. And it's just like, it's so hard to take this movie seriously when there's just a giant fucking dog, like, swinging back and It's an forth. unusual choice. <laughs> certainly. <sighs> yeah, but the, the clip I'm looking at doesn't have the genitals, so I'm assuming it's not... Well, maybe they edited it out for this. I it, don't know. Yeah, it might be. Like, if you're watching it on YouTube, like... Sure. Yeah. They probably... Yeah, they can't show that on there. And then that was when we found out that Grace actually watched uh, the porn parody version of the live-action mm. movie. Oh, no, that's that's really bad. Hmm. <laughs> that was actually Attack on Titan. Ha ha ha. No, maybe not. Okay. Okay. Josh, what's your Josh, number what's one? Your number one. All right, I'm going to drag us out of Attack on Titan uh, into Please. something a lot more conceptually disturbing. Um, we'll see. So, uh, we're going to uh, back to books, uh, specifically Gene Wolfe's Book of the New Sun. And I'm talking about the Alzabo. Grace, you've heard me talk about the Alzabo some. Don't like the Alzabo. Uh, so, Scott, you don't, don't know, know what, what this is, is right? Yeah. Nope. It sounds like it's a uh, a Mexican clown. I'm El Zabo. Well, uh, not not at all. Um, so well, you got to lay a lot of groundwork here. Um, so Book Book of the New Sun is a four sort of five part fantasy series, um, in the dying Earth genre. Um, it's set in the extreme distant future of Earth, far enough that the sun is dimming and the Earth is cooling as a result. It's established very early on that in this world, humanity was capable of space travel and even spread to other planets, but at some point in the distant past, we lost that capability and remained bound to an Earth that's in decline. Uh, The story focuses on Severian, who is an apprentice of the Seekers for Truth and Penitence, more colloquially known as the Torturer's Guild. Uh, The books follow Severian on a wide manner of strange and often disturbing adventures, but one creature that has an outsized influence on the story is the Alzabo. Alzabo are described as a creature that was found somewhere on a distant planet, and some were brought back to Earth and now roam wild in the mountains. They are predators that will kill and eat humans. But the thing that makes them uniquely horrifying is what happens when they eat you. When you're consumed by an Alzabo, it gains your knowledge and your memories. It also gains the ability to speak with your voice. Uh, In a harrowing scene in one of the books, Severian has come across a family in a house in the mountains that is beset by an Alzabo. He meets the mother and her son, and the husband and daughter have already been consumed by the Alzabo. It comes each night to the house, asking in the voices of the consumed family members to be let in. Uh, speaking as the, the both the daughter and the father. 
We see it pass up the opportunity to eat unrelated people and instead go out of its way to eat the remaining family members of the people it's already consumed. In the voice of the consumed, it claims that it wants the family to be together again, together being inside the Alzabo. The question becomes then, you know, you start getting philosophically here, are the souls of the consumed trapped inside the Alzabo and they actually want to be reunited with their family? Or is the Alzabo intelligent enough to use this as a mere ploy to lure in more prey? If it's just the second option, if it's the latter option, then why does it specifically focus on the family members of those it has already consumed? It's very disturbing. Very creepy to think about. Um, In terms of what the Alzabo is physically like, I'm just going to read a paragraph from the book here. This is from book three of the series, uh, The Sword of the Lictor. The door swung back. The beast that waited there stood upon four legs. Even so, its hulking shoulders were as high as my head. Its own head was carried low, with the tips of its ears below the crest of fur that topped its back. In the firelight, its teeth gleamed white and its eyes glowed red. I have seen the eyes of many of these creatures that are supposed to have come from beyond the margin of the world, drawn as certain philonists, philonists? I'm not familiar with that word, as certain philonists allege, by the death of those whose genesis was here, even as tribes of Encores come slouching with their stone knives and fires into a countryside depopulated by war or disease, but their eyes are the eyes of beasts only. The red orbs of the Alzabo were something more, holding neither the intelligence of humankind nor the innocence of brutes. So a fiend might look, I thought, when it had at last struggled up from the pit of some dark star. So it's like you, from from the description here in the book, it doesn't look like it had, like we look it in the eyes and it doesn't have like that gleam of intelligence in there, but it is fully able to speak with the memories and knowledge of those it has consumed and perfectly replicate the sounds. Um, and even like act tactically um, and speak tactically to try and lure them into a place where they can be eaten. The Alzabo is very messed up. <laughs> um, and uh, terrifying. Yeah, it, it the the concept of this creature. I I've actually been reading Book of the New Sun. Um, as a result of getting into a different podcast. Shout out to Shelved by Genre, which is maybe my favorite podcast going right now. Um, where they're besides covering, ours, they're uh. Well, I mean, I I I don't listen. I I listen to our own podcast to edit it. I don't listen to it uh, to enjoy it. You know. Um, but still the best one going. Keep going. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a very good book series and i i read the stuff um some months ago for for the alzabo and it's just an image that has stuck with me constantly since then is like this is just this fascinating idea conceptually and just really really disturbing very haunting one other note i want to add here too if any of this sounds familiar to you it's possible it you have seen the movie annihilation yeah, that's what I was thinking uh, of. Okay, I was trying to figure out what movie it was. Which I guess, fairly minor spoilers for Annihilation, essentially puts nearly a one-to-one version of the Alzabo into the movie. Uh, it is, like, they... It is almost identical. And, uh, like, they, it's a much shallower version of the Alzabo, I would say. Um, but the basic concept is 
pretty much identical. Um, it doesn't get into some maybe some more of the philosophical ideas behind the Alzabo that the book that the um, Book of the New Sun delves into, uh, but structurally, it's it's pretty much that. But yeah, uh, Alzabo, my creepy. number one, very creepy. Just the uncertainty, the idea of why does it want the other family members does is the is something about the pe- the souls of the people it consumed dry it like is that creating a driving force for this creature are you have you, the fact that you have been consumed by an alzabo are you somehow unwittingly driving forward the death of your of your loved ones because you got eaten that's messed up Hmm. You know, it also kind of reminds me of Evil Dead. Okay. The the book, or I guess the there's a lot of different variants here, but the the one that's being possessed, right? The Necronomicon. The, yeah. Well, no, that no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the person that's being possessed. Oh, oh you said the book. So sorry, I was many thoughts there, but the person that's being possessed is going after their own family in a lot of mm-hmm. cases or sure. their loved ones and are able to mimic the original voice of the person that it's possessing, right? But it can also mimic other voices mm-hmm. and speak intelligently in a way that is like terrifying. Like I just I'm I'm your mom. I I love you very much. I just, I want to hug you. I'm so sorry that this is happening. And you're like, this is a possessed demon woman and she's coming after her son now. And that's terrifying. So if you want something even more interesting about the Alzabo, um, elsewhere in the books, um, it is discussed. Um, this is actually before you even experience, um, the Alzabo monster itself. um, they detail that the thing that allows the Alzabo to integrate the memories and knowledge of those eats is like a specific gland that it has that um, is somehow doing that. If the people have somehow figured out that if you, as a human, take the, that gland and consume the Alzabo gland, along with the flesh of a person, you gain their knowledge and memories for a time and experience their their memories. Uh, yep. And that is gr- also gross and messed up. Uh, the, the, I guess I'll delve into uh, a little bit further. This is a significant spoiler for these books. It's only in the second one, though. Um, the main character of these books, Severian, is forced to do this, um, and he uh, is forced to do this. The, the flesh of the person that he's consuming is from um, his girlfriend that he murdered, sort of. It's complicated. Severian also has a perfect, or so he claims, a, a perfect memory for um, not just details, but sensation. And so because he experienced all of that from consuming her flesh and has a perfect memory for it, she essentially forms in his brain permanently as an alternate persona and lives in his head now. 
because he ate this. Eesh. Awkward. The Alzaba's messed up. It's not good. It's got a good name. It's a good is a good name. But yeah, that's my number one. The Alzabo, Book of the New Sun. Hey, if you like we really weird fantasy, you should read these books. They're really good. We got some good contenders here. We in sure do. Each of our t- our top three, especially. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, that's uh that's our complete list here. So we're gonna go to break again. Um, and we're gonna come back, talk about honorable mentions, and create a unified top ten list here. So stick around, folks. Welcome back, everyone. If you made it this far, you're probably enjoying yourself at least a little. In which case, you should send us a, an honest rating, a review, refer a friend, anything to help get the word out. We would love for more people to listen to this podcast. Not that, you know, it isn't already growing, as we've already established. So anyway, thank you for listening. We're going to move on to the next phase. Uh, but first, we're going to go over some honorable mentions or dishonorable mentions i don't know what what do you guys have grace do you have anything you want to add for honorable mentions yes or dishonorable um i mean you guys touched on the ones that i was considering like the wendigo um or wendigo which actually i you cited supernatural um but i was thinking of the wendigos from um, the video game that I just blanked on the name of. Until Dawn. <laughs> yes, Until Dawn. Um, those are very scary, too. Um, don't like that in a similar um, structure and everything. Uh, and then Josh had also mentioned The Thing, which I did not like. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Okay, Josh. Uh, my only honorable mention that I have listed here is um, I'm not dig into it really, but uh, from Warhammer 40k, the Tyranid Gene Stealers. Um, you wanna? They're really messed up. Go read about them. Ooh, I this was one that I also read about. I hadn't read about them or known about them prior to this research, but I came across them on a couple of lists, and I'm like, what are these? And I looked, I'm like, oh my god. Terrifying. Yeah, they're 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 real bad. I'm uh, I'm I'm not that into 40k. I've enjoyed some of the video games. Um, I don't like the the, the actual tabletop uh, war game. Um, and I think a lot of the story stuff in 40k is actually pretty dumb. But uh, the Tyranid Gene Stealers are uh, real messed up. They're real bad. Destroy whole civilizations. Bad. But yeah, that's it for mine. What do you got, Scott? Right. So for mine, I had I had a bunch that I considered because there's a lot of ways that I would not like to die. Um, so just starting at the top in no particular order, we have the sandworm from Dune because um, it's unfathomably long and it mostly just uh, swallows you whole. So you're just consumed slowly. Back to that theme. Scott is not uh, the mod deep. So next we have Pazuzu, which is the Babylonian god from the Exorcist that 
literally can't die. Uh, and it just continues to possess you and disrupt your life and turn you against things and you lose control and that's, that's all terrible. Uh, Deadites from Evil Dead, kind of the same thing. The Necronomicon and being possessed. Uh, Draugr from Norse Mythology. Um, incredibly strong, um, almost invincible, unless you're an unbelievably strong human to attack back at them. Those are tough. Migo from HP Lovecraft. Um, Migo, the interesting thing about them is they can teleport your brain from your body on Earth, like completely separate, to their... Uh, their advanced civilization because they're they're really good neurosurgeons, I guess, and and they've perfected temporal displacement time travel, and so they can displace your brain from your body to their planet and then experiment on it all while you're conscious of it. And yeah, that's really messed up. Uh, Migos are also uh, bad and bougie. Uh, anyway, Cthulhu, uh, even just the sight of Cthulhu will be driven to madness pretty quick, though, so not really that big a deal. Uh, Azathoth and Shogoth, also from H.P. Lovecraft. I had the thing on here, Mind Flayer. Uh, Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. It's not 100% clear how he kills, but it's clear that he cheats while gambling for your life, and the idea that you don't actually stand a chance against whatever odds this person is providing you. Not great. I, He's a I bug don't man. like the idea. He is a bug man. Yep. Don't do not like the bug man. Uh, Pale Man from Pan's Labyrinth. Um, the Krampus from Mythology. And the Krampus in particular because it kind of surrounds the, the holiday season or the Christmas season and is kind of like the opposite of Santa Claus, more punishing than favoring good children. And, and that's terrifying. And I think if I had known about that story when I was a little kid, I'd probably hate Christmas. But uh, Next, the Nazgul from Lord of the Rings. Just terrifying. Uh, the Wraith Ring... Uh, uh, yeah, just no. Ring Wraiths. None of that. Ring Wraiths, yes. Don't get stabbed uh, with the Morgul Blade. Kind of like what Josh was saying, the doppelganger from German folklore, yeah, can t- take any form. They're kind of immortal, and they can trick you to your death. Uh, the Gumiho, which is a Korean love monster, it forces you to fall in love with it, and it saps your energy. Uh, the Manticore from Persian mythology. I had Shelob on here. Medusa. I don't want to be turned to stone. Doesn't sound good. Uh, and shout out to Brooklyn Nine Nine. We have the Chuksin, the Korean toilet ghost, aka Ma- <laughs> Madeline Wunsch. <laughs> uh, also, I made a mini side list: most embarrassing oh. creatures to die from. Oh, okay. Here we go. Because insert music it, here. M- you know my my initial thought was worst ways to die. I'm like. I'm taking it seriously. Is Josh also, or is he also thinking of it like, man, that'd be, that'd be terrible to die. And then Grace comes up with Chucky as number one on, or number six on her list. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not the only one that interpreted it this way. Uh, and so I made a mini list of th- 
things that I know about that I would just not want to die from because I'd be embarrassed that I happened to die from something so stupid. Um, and the very first one on this list is Chucky, uh, because I thought, man, that would be just embarrassing as hell. Really? A little doll? Like, I completely yeah. agree with you. Just dropkick that bitch. All right. Uh, <laughs> next on my list, I have Christine, the car. Like, really? You're going to oh, die from yeah. Christine? Uh, next, I have Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. Um, a plant, really? Just, just burn the plant, all right? It wants to take over mankind. Don't worry about it. Gremlins? It's stuck in a pot. Like, that shouldn't be hard. Well, it seduces you, but that's a different thing. Uh, gremlins, yeah. again, tiny creatures. It's like, yeah, you, you had one rule to follow that doesn't even make sense because eat, eating after midnight is literally it's always what after we always midnight? do. Yeah, I... <laughs> whatever that it's like oh don't get them near water okay couple easy things um next i have uh the puck wudgie if you're not familiar the puck wudgie are small men around a foot tall with gaunt features they can blend in or become invisible to humans and they also can make basic weapons like poison darts designed to create pain um they use the abilities to torment people or even kill as they revel in tricking humans into their death this is a kentucky folklore oh. thing and i'm just like really like foot foot tall gnome creatures this is what you're yeah. terrified of no this is stupid uh and last but not least i have the stay puffed marshmallow man because if you're in ghostbusters universe and what did you do right yeah exactly stay puffed marshmallow man really that's what you died from you just some really angry marshmallow? No, terrible. Stupid. So embarrassing. Anyway, that's the end of my list. Uh, while you were going through your list, I thought up one more honorable mention for me, which is the Golom from Wheel of Time, which is a horrible creature that you cannot kill that can uh, compress its body down. It's, it looks like a human, but it can compress its body down to squeeze through any gap. Um, and once it gets your Ooh. scent, it will not stop until you are murdered. That sounds fun. It also f consumes human blood. Yum. It can also fit through, like, um, really small spaces yeah. and travel through. Like a keyhole or something. Yeah. Or squeeze under a door. Yeah. You can't get away from them. They will find you. Hmm. But yeah. We should move on uh, to the next step. Let's, uh, yep. let's finish this off with going over uh, this unified list here. Making a unified list. We got 12 items on the list. Um, and we need to cut that down to 10 um, and make a ranked list. First one I'm going to throw out there. You also had Facehugger on your list, even though it was number five. Yeah, Facehugger, so least... Facehugger I think, is making the list. I think we can safely say. Grace, are you, are you all right with this? Uh, it should make the list. I do not think it should be number one, though. No, I'm okay. not saying it's number one. I'm saying we're, it's we're saying, We're just saying, flagging it for making yeah, the definitely, list. Definitely going to make the list, yeah. Okay. Um... Let's see. I think Ko the Face Dealer should also be on there. Yeah, I think Ko I think Ko is safely making yep. it. And El Zabo. El Zabo's making it. Um Titan. I'm less sold on the Titan, honestly. Um, but is it is it off the list entirely? I don't think so. Um If I'm picking I'm one from the whole list to say I don't think is making it for me personally, it's probably yeah. Shelob. Yeah. I would agree. 
Because, like, it's gross. Like, I don't want to get killed by Shelob, to be clear. But, like, I don't have the spider phobia. And as a result, all of these other things sound much worse to me than getting eaten by Shelob. Same. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I can, uh... I can agree with that as long as Titan ends up in at least the top three. Whoa. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. All right, top five. I'm moving. Uh, I'm moving Titan over. Okay, Titan can go over. Titan. Titan we'll say Titan makes the list. We'll say Shelob. She I I think Shelob gets bumped. I think Envy is worse than Titan, just from the way you've described it. I would also agree. I think Envy is worse than Titan. Um. I, I, I think I'm saying, and I think by that logic, Envy I think makes Envy's the making list. the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll move Envy um, over. Let's see. Uh, of Josh's, uh, the, the thing is kind of terrifying too. Um, it's really messed up. Uh, Scott, I, I the, think, the uh, one on your list that gets me the least, I think, is the Wendigo. Yeah. Oh, you. It's like I, it's mimicking children. Go ahead. Like, I, the Wendigo is, like, once it, it does, like, I think it kills you before it eats you, so that's kind of, like, it depends on the thing. version of It depends on the version yeah. of the Wendigo. Some versions are definitely, you get killed and then you get eaten. Some versions are, like, Scott, you said earlier, they get, they eat you over time. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely they more. keep you alive. That's definitely more disturbing, think, but. Yeah, I think there are things on on our lists uh, and on your list that are scarier than the Wendigo. I would rather be eaten by a Wendigo than be eaten by a Sarlacc pit, personally. Because the Wendigo doesn't keep you alive for a thousand years. Yeah, that's true. True, but at the same time, it's it's more about the terror that leads up to the death. That's fair. And and the trickery involved right in the same way that the alzabo is like oh come to me help me let's let's be together again the wendigo is saying could be saying the same thing leading you into the forest or into its cave sure um psychological i i i, I get you there for sure but for me the i think the differentiator with the wendigo and the sarlacc pit is the sarlacc pit you know, especially if we talk about the Legends version of the Sarlacc Pit, which I think is totally eligible here. Sure. Um, uh, we, we're not bound by Disney canon by any means. Um, just the whole, like, you are being kept alive that long and the whole psychic aspect of it where it's, like, infecting your mind and mind-linking you to share the suffering of the other entities being consumed. True. That's, but if I'm in a Sarlacc Pit, it's because somebody else put me there most likely not because I have been tricked in some way to go into the Sarlacc pit. Maybe you got bumped by Han Solo who is currently blind. doesn't seem likely. I don't know. doesn't seem um, likely. I, I, I think, you know, maybe the lead up for the Wendigo is worse than the lead up for the Sarlacc pit on average. But I think you compare the during experience of both and the Sarlacc pit is way, way, way worse. Yeah, no, I, I'll agree with you there. But for me, it's the fact that now I feel like I'm an idiot because I was tricked. And so you've, Scott outsp- concerns, you've outsmarted me. So, so in Scott's concern, having his pride damaged is worse than being consumed for a thousand years. Good to know. Sometimes, See, the, yeah. The problem is, you just don't go into the woods. You hear a disembodied voice, you leave it alone. People figure their own shit out. <laughs> hmm. 
you know, the hills have eyes, Grace. That that's about mutated humans. Like that's completely different. Well, let's let's do this. Let's start looking at other areas on the list, and maybe we'll maybe we'll land on what gets eliminated after that. Um, well, I think of your three, right? Because the thing I had on my honorable mentions, I also had the mind flare, but the flesh thralls were not on it. And on honestly, like I forgot about those, and so did Grace. I I think the flesh thralls are just kind of a non-factor for me. You don't like the flesh thrall stuff. You don't like no, the being I dissolved just, into the thing. It didn't didn't really trigger anything in me in the same way that it seems to have with you. The yeah, the Stranger Things. Yeah, no, I agree with Scott. Really? Wow. It's so just, gruesome. I mean, it, it's so gross. It's either so gruesome that I completely forgot about it, or it was forgettable. You, you, Grace, when we watched this, you were very upset about it. You were like, I don't like, like, you were like looking away from the screen, didn't want to look at it. It really bothered you. That sounds like me. Uh-huh. Maybe that's why you don't remember it, is because you just looked away the whole time any of the time any of that <laughs> stuff was happening. <laughs> that's probably, that's probably true. Because it's multiple times, the... it's, it's like, there's like six or seven scenes of this in the season. There's a bunch of it. And then they have to fight the whole big, like, amorphed, like, merged up together. Well, because, no, there's, there's two different, because there's the one like, in the hospital, right? There's the one in the hospital, and then that one gets melded up into, like, a weird spider thing later on, like a flesh version of the Mind Flayer, almost, that they yeah, that's... have to encounter in the mall. Right. Um, and there's all the stuff that it does with Billy, and that's all messed up. Um, I I, I think I personally the 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 my flare flesh troll stuff I think is a really strong contender here. Um, it's it's really gross. Um, I don't think it's as gross as the necromorph stuff personally. Um, especially as you start getting into like the baby necromorph stuff. Um, as it's reanimating the dead tissue of infants that have died um that's that's pretty messed up um but you know crawler that's not the only kind of baby necromorph either oh, there's yeah. also ones the that pack. turn into those ones that turn into bombs lurker oh yeah. man there's a lot of there's some interesting designs here there's a lot of necromorph because video games they had to come up with a lot of unique they got to keep oh. the gameplay interesting you know Oh, also the thing with necromorphs I didn't mention. The way you kill them is you have to cut off the um the new limbs, whatever those may be. So most of the weapons in the Dead Space games are based around some sort of like cutting implementation. One of them's literally um a gun that holds that like levitates a spinning saw blade. Um that you can just like hold up to them to cut with or like shoot out at them. That one's pretty fun. I don't know. Mind Flare to me. It, maybe it makes the list, but it's it's going to be lower on the list for sure. Are we okay with Necromorph making it over? Do we think that yeah, makes I'm it over? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Grace? Grace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, I think Gatana Thoa can make it over. Are we all right with that? You said, yeah. you said okay. Sarlacc for sure. I think Sarlacc can make it over. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys like the thing over the Mind Flayer? Yes. Yeah, I do. Okay. We'll move that over as well. 
So then our our two our two maybes at this point are what would be is Mind Flare slash Flesh Thralls versus the Wendigo. Um, So you and I had those on our list. I think it goes to Grace. Would you rather have the Mind Flare slash Flesh Thralls or the Wendigo added to the top ten list? In no particular order. If it's it's between the two of those. Yeah, I think that's uh, where we're at. Then I'm going to go with, like, the Mind Flare f- Flesh Thralls. Because okay. that, that, the whole, that is way more terrifying to me than... I think we can... Yeah. I think probably what happens then is that hits number 10. Um, yep. And then I think, I think a Wendigo would be an honorary 11 over a Shelob. Yeah, kind of irrelevant, but sure. Sure. Um, okay, so we have nine other slots to fill then. Um, do, 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 what do we, let's see. I think I Facehugger's got to be a top contender. Facehugger is going to make the top five. Certainly, I think. I don't put it anywhere yet, but. Yeah. Grace, what, do you, what are your thoughts at this point? Do you have any strong feelings about a, a one, a nine, any, uh, anything in the middle? Well, I definitely think that Titan should be higher on the list. Um, I think they're not great. Uh, they're very scary. I also think um, Co the Face Dealer should be like around the middle. Um, I think that would be, and then like maybe Envy would be good at like a four or three. For me, I think looking at the Grace items specifically, I think both Envy and Co the Face Steel are stronger than a Titan. Um, the, the only nature... thing that Titan has going for it, in my opinion, is if you are consumed by a Titan and you're just slowly being dissolved over time, that that triggers it for me. I'm I'd be sure. not a That's, fan of that. That 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 goes with for... the Scott theming definitely. Um, but if I put that up against like yeah. a Sarlacc pit, like the Sarlacc pit, I think is worse. You're not getting bitten well, half by a me, titan. For me, it's the psychological effect. The the fact that like, because it's there's a little bit of the Wendigo stuff in there. I mean, these you are being cannibalized. Which you and said Wendigo that, wasn't that bad, which is why you knocked no, it out of the top no, ten. No, they're not as they're not as bad as the Titans. Titans much worse. Um, and just like the, I don't I don't like the idea of being chewed. I don't like. Um, you know, like this, at one point, one of the characters' moms gets turned into a Titan. Like, if you're be, you just got swallowed whole by your mother, and then you are being, like, you're going to lose your mind far quicker than you are going to be dissolved in her stomach uh, acid. <laughs> but just from the reality of your situation. Being dissolved in acid. Being dissolved in acid doesn't sound that good either. Plus, there's, like, the masticated remains of all of your friends surrounding you. I think Sarlacc Pit is better than Gatanathoa. Hot take. I don't know. She might be turning me a little bit on Titan here. Ooh. But I still think Envy's worse. Yeah, I, I, I think Envy, Envy is your strongest entry here, Grace, I think. All right, all right. I'll go with it. Envy is not great. Co the Face Stealer is certainly disturbing, but I think is hurt somewhat by the fact that it is not actually killing you personally. 
That's true. I, I, well, I mean, it's like it is a death. It's just like a death of self, more than it is like an actual death. Yeah. Which I think is almost worse in a way because then it's just like, what even are you anymore? You know? Yeah, but it's not really in the spirit of what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah, I guess that's true. I in in fact, I might even be more inclined to put Co the Face Dealer at like a ten. Like really? right after the mind flare, really? in that mm-hmm. thought, like I, as much as I like the concept of Ko and what she's trying to get at here, I don't think it's really in the spirit of what we're trying to accomplish. I'd rather put it at a ten. What do you guys think? Yeah, I could be I, sold on I, nine. It's 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 close. Not yeah, nine, ten. I think nine, nine at least. Yeah, I can live with that. I can live with that. We okay? We moving it to nine. Nine. I'm yeah. moving it to nine. Okay. So then, um, looking at the other ones that are here, I think kind of based on what you're saying and, and your guys' relation to some of these things, I think Katana Thoa goes eight. Yeah, I think I'm good with yeah. that. I think, looking at these, I think Envy is, it qualifies for a top five, personally. I could see that. Okay. I don't know where. Yeah, I don't know where yet either. Um... <laughs> I think I think we can say. Gotta start comparing uh, I'm gonna bump some things of these over. things. I'm gonna bump things over yeah. on this list here a little bit. I think Facehugger makes a top three. I think Envy makes a top five. I think Envy's probably. I don't know. We'll see. Envy might um, even be a four. Yeah, I'm okay I'm with just, that. I want to say Envy at, um, tentatively. Envy at four. Um, sell me some more on uh, the thing. The, um, let's see. What else does the thing do? Um, cause like it's creepy, and I, I, it's kind of got some flesh thralls vibes to it. Sure, I get what you're saying. The the big difference here with the the thralls and the thing is the uh the thing is so my, my reason for ranking the flesh thralls above it was the like mostly the grossness and the that factor of it um the thing is gross in very different ways um but i think one of the strengths of the thing here that i'll lean into that i didn't really talk about already is like the difference with the flesh thrall it's very apparent to other characters that like something weird is going on with the anyone who is flayed uh, who is set up to become dissolved here um whereas with the thing there's like a psychological terror that enters with the thing because they know the thing has infiltrated the station, but they have no idea. Then like the thing is almost certainly one of them, but they've got no clue who it is and are like Mm. desperately trying to come up with ways to figure out who it is while being unable to trust each other at all. Um, That's worse for me. So there's a big chunk of the story of the movie that's focusing on we have to come up with some way to like whitelist people who we know aren't the thing. But yeah. then the there's other just, problem, there's so much distrust and oh, yeah. anxiety that comes with it. Like I, my, there'd be so much anxiety for me in that situation that I would have just like tapped out real early on. It, <laughs> just yeah. I can't handle it. It's just a constant, like, hmm. you cannot trust. The only person you can trust for sure is yourself because you know you're not the thing. And literally anyone else can be because it can perfectly replicate. Um, 
you know, to, to the human senses anyway. It can perfectly replicate. So that person you're talking to right now, it could be the thing. And here's the other thing they don't know. It could be multiple people. You don't know. Um, it could be, you know, they, they don't have any other, you know, once the dogs are consumed, those are the first to go. Um, How quick not is the death by the thing? It depends. Depends on what it's doing. Um, the death, when it absorbs the dogs, that seemingly is taken, uh, you know, no. we get a glimpse on it after that's been happening for presumably a while. And yeah. like, that's been, just material that takes everywhere. a, no, a while. Um, yep. Whereas like, if it is enacting violence upon you, it can kill you like right away, you sure. know, um, and then absorb you later. It seems to prefer to absorb you when you are alive, if it can. Um, so from that perspective, it's kind of got an envy vibe to it. Sure. Mm. But the thing with envy is when you're consumed into envy, you are presumably still conscious or still cognizant that this has happened to you. Um, versus like you get killed by the thing. You're just you're probably just dead. We don't really know. Um, right. The, the movie doesn't get into that, but um, you're you're probably just dead. So, I guess with that being said, I, I'm not putting it in the top three. I think it's a five through seven. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I just don't know where. Yeah, we'll put I it, agree. We'll put it down into... Put it at seven. Seven? Mm, okay. Or, or put it at six. I'll put it at six for now. Just, well, just hold on. No, don't put it at six. Leave it in the... In leave the, it in the, the five the, through the seven lower block there okay i, I think elzabo needs to doing. be a top three yeah yeah i agree El, elzabo's elzabo's not good elzabo's a top three so okay. we have titans Ta- necromorphs titans and a five through seven i think titans a five through seven i don't know where but i think it's five through seven sorry grace but, it should be higher it's just it's, e- it's just eating you it's it's more than that okay so but now we've got a I... we've got a pretty big gulf here between. Well, this is know, a this is a grace question now again between the necromorph and the sarlacc, which is which is a worse way to die. I mean, pr- it's probably going to it's going to be the the ne- the snar- sarlacc bit, right? Because like you're stuck in there for a thousand years. That is keeping you alive. Slowly very tormented. Long time. Yeah, that's that's not good. Don't like that. Uh, do not like the eternity of acid inside giant snake thing mm. or worm thing. What if I told you that the way that the um, the necromorphs are created is via Scientology? Mm. Nope, doesn't change anything. Via <laughs> mm. are the necromorphs Tom Cruise fictional fictional Scientology? This is not oh, a joke. This is this gonna... is actually a thing. Oh, it's there is like an in-universe religion called Unitology, Unitology that worships yes, that worships these structures called markers and trying and the markers manip- can overwrite people's brains, um, and got humans to build a replica of a marker and that's what creates the necromorphs see but l ron hubbard had it right so i i don't know i feel like it's blasphemous now and it should be lower on the list (laughs) 
Now, the Necromarfs are really messed up. And again, the big part there for me, a lot of, you know, a lot of times you get killed by a Necromarf. It's just, a, it's just enacting violence upon you. It's more of the conceptual what it is turning you into that is, um, yeah. I think, what makes it especially messed up. It's interesting yeah. that Envy is kind of like a turning point uh like point in the list like literally because it separates the top three versus the mid three yeah um i I I think think i'm inclined to put necromorph at five okay i think if we put sarlacc above envy i think it's at three i think you're right we okay with that grace yeah all right we're gonna move necromorph to five envy of course being envy adams from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. That's a good movie. Um, uh, let's Talking let's look at six and seven. The thing in yep. the, the thing in Titans. I like the thing over the Titan. Scott, what do you think? We know what Grace thinks. Grace would vote Titan. Well, yeah, of course. Um, Titan should be number two. I, Titan's, Titan's not gonna be she, number two. She was starting to turn me a little bit on Titan. I'm gonna go Titan here. I think okay. Titan's a a strong six. Um, All right, we'll move it there. I don't want to be dissolved in acid surrounded by my friends. I think we go Alzaba one face hugger two. That's where I'm at. Well, Surprising, no I know. Surprise. Um yeah. you also had face hugger on your list. On I do. Your top I think six. I think I think face hugger is really strong. Um but the it's the it's the philosophical part of what's actually happening inside the Alzabo that gets me over a face hugger. Um, whereas is your soul actually trapped in there forever? Are you becoming a driving force in the demise of your loved ones, whether willingly or unwillingly? We don't really know what's happening in there. We don't get it. Or are you just being consumed and then you are still being used as a tool against your loved ones? Because it is using all of your knowledge, your mannerisms, your and memories, yeah, your memory it, and everything to f- further the demise of your loved ones specifically. But at that point, are you even aware of it? No, probably not. So how can that really be psychological torture for you personally if it's just your loved ones that are suffering after the fact? Well, part of it, too, is, um, you know. I think uh, some of this, there's multiple entities on the list here that's like, well, do you know how this works or not? Um, I've seen how the face hugger works. Yes, I do sure. know how it works. Sure. And that, I think that, that it's, in most of these cases, it's worse if you know what's going to happen, right? Um, not necessarily all, but uh, I think Sarlacc Pit is weirdly immune to this, actually, where even if you don't know what Sarlacc Pit's going to do, it's, it's still pretty messed up. Um, I think the face hugger versus Alzabo face hugger has a more direct and personal effect on me in the case of dying, not just the residual effects after the fact or the stuff that happens before. This is I'm getting mouth raped by an alien who's breathing for me and keeping me alive so that it can incubate an embryo inside of me that is going to literally explode and kill me out of my chest. I, I, I'm with you that it is horrible. However, I do have a counter argument. I'm listening. Once the face hugger process has completed and uh, 
and it releases from your face. The victim no longer, the victim does not have memories of what happened. It has True. scrubbed those memories. So you do not remember experiencing that. Eventually, and then sudden, all this for you, what you're experiencing at that point is just all of the sudden you are experiencing chest pain and then a thing bursts out of your chest and you are dead. Yes. And I think that hurts the face hugger argument is because you really all you are experiencing is this thing latching onto your face and then anything else is just gone in terms of things you are cognizant of right but Whereas isn't that with, kind of the same thing with el zabo like no the el zabo is uh you're experiencing once it getting consumes eaten. you're you're not well yeah but you're not aware of it after the fact well because you're dead <laughs> exactly so the psychological horror of going after your family or whatever after the fact doesn't even matter well, it depends on what's actually happening in there. Is, is if your soul's trapped in there and you are doing that, that's bad. If you're just dead and it's just but leveraging your stuff, then you're you sure. don't actually that, know that. that. But but I think there's a strong argument to be made for it because we see the Alzabo uh, like disregard easier prey in order to go after the family. If if it's not cognizant, if the soul isn't actually in there, if that isn't a driving force, why is it doing that? There's no reason for it to do that otherwise that we know of. Maybe it's just taking residual parts of your being and connecting it to parts of your, of your life. And so it's shared like, genetic oh, material or something. Yeah. And that's some of the stuff of the Elzabo is we just don't know. It's it's intentionally left vague. Uh, a lot of the Gene Wolfe fan base has discussed this for a long time. I think I'm sold a little bit more on the side of of it being you're st actually stuck in there in some way because that's the only explanation that I can see that we are actually shown in the text for why is it, why is its behavior happening this way. Um. So, that, so that, I guess that's where if I I'm thinking of it from the it's approaching me to kill me, right? Mm -hmm. And it's got my loved ones trapped inside of it and it's hitting me with the psychological horror. That's, that is pretty bad. Yeah, that's where your Wendigo like voice shit comes in yeah. too. Is like it can speak in the voice of your loved ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. It, so I, so I, in the scene in the book, just very briefly, Grace, um, before you go um the 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 scene in the book where this all happens the the doom, the doom of the characters who are trapped in this house and the azabo is um brought on because the mother that's in there is eventually persuaded to open the door by the voice of her husband who she knows that the she knows that her daughter got eaten she can guess that her husband got eaten, but doesn't know for sure. And when, and it, initially the Alzabo is speaking primarily using the daughter's voice, and then it eventually switches to using the husband's voice, and that's what gets her. Um, she's like, oh, actually my husband made it back and is trying to get in so he doesn't get eaten. I'm going to let him in. Um, and that's the act. That's ultimately what gets them in and then Severian has to fight the El Zabo. It's a whole thing. Um I'm not gonna get into that too much. But ultimately the it is that the that if you want to call it cleverness, if it's the 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 actual souls acting, whatever's happening there. I don't know. It sounds like just a hunting technique. Well 
you know, it, it's 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 vague. If but it's, and and I would I would be inclined to agree with you, unless, except for rather, that it, you know, it, it's got multiple windows where it could get the two other characters that aren't family members that are present in this scene, and declines to go after them and instead goes after the mother and child. Grace, what were you going to say? So, for me, the Elzabo is, like, scarier than the face hugger because the face hugger, the fe- that boils down to the fear of rape, the fear of um, Lo- being impregnated against your will. And sure. that is already a fear that I deal with as a woman. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> that's why the Elzabo, to me, is... Uh, more terrifying because uh, being eaten alive and then my soul being stuck into uh, a monster is not a fear that I, you know, normally uh, have to deal with. <laughs> that sounds like two votes to Al-Zaba, for Alzaba for me. It does. Scott, do you acquiesce? Uh, yes, I acquiesce to your request. All right. We're moving over to Scott. Say, Scott. Even so, taking two and three on the list here. This, a stealth dark horse ascension from Sarlacc Pit here. Making it higher on the list than I think anyone anticipated. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to die for a thousand years. That sounds it's terrible. Pre- that's pretty bad. That's pretty hard to argue against is. Uh, dying for a thousand years. Pretty wretched. All right, well, I'm going to run down the list here. As we have our unified list, um, not quite making the list is uh, Shelob from Lord of the Rings and the Wendigo from Mythology slash Supernatural slash Until Dawn. Um, number 10, we have the Mind Flayer slash Flesh Thralls from Stranger Things. Number 9 is Ko the Face Sealer from Avatar The Last Airbender. Number 8 is the Gatanathoa from H.P. Lovecraft. Is it the Gatanathoa or is it just that is a name like Gatanathoa, like Cthulhu? Gatanathoa Gatanathoa is the name by okay. Cthulhu. Gatanathoa from H.P. Lovecraft mythology. Um, we have number seven is The Thing from The Thing, 1982. Um, number six is Titans from Attack on Titan. Number five, Necromorphs from Dead Space. Number four is Envy from Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, number three is The Sarlacc Pit from Star Wars. Number two, Facehugger from Alien. And number one, the Alzabo from Book of the New Sun. Good work, Gene Wolf. You came up with some truly this, terrifying this, creatures. This and many other real weird creatures. Mm-hmm. As, as they're fond of saying on uh, uh, Shelf by Genre, there's parts of Book of the New Sun where Gene Wolf goes, I'm going to open Gene Wolf's monster manual for you, and just we're going to hear about some weird creatures for a while. And it's very fun. Terrible. Just terrible. What if there were bats that were like tissue paper and they could cut you up? Ooh, death by a thousand paper cuts. They're not great. Mm. I All think right, the bats well, from Stranger Things may be worse. Yeah, those are, those are also not good. Demo but, bats. But we've done it. We've created another unified list. Yay. Thank good you for job, participating, Grace. Grace. Good idea for an episode. This was fun. This was fun. Okay, well, let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you, listener, for taking the time to listen to us argue. And we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Our next episode, again, in two weeks. Uh, Josh, do you want to 
Do you want to tell everyone what our next episode's going to be? So, uh, long time, long, I guess not that long time, but, um, if you listen to the show for a while, you know that recently we attempted to do a double header episode where we talked about, um, best movies from Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino. Um, and in our folly, we, we took way too long talking and didn't even come close to being able to fit those into one episode. Uh, nope. and in our folly, probably again, we are going to try to do another double header here, but this time I think we have a better shot at it. Um, the two things... The two things that we're going to be discussing, list number one is uh, best co-op video games. And list number two, our other top, uh, we'll do two top fives here. The other one will be uh, best multiplayer video games in general that are more competitive in nature. Um, so that's our, that's our split there. We're still, we're still hashing out exactly what the dividing line there is going to be. Does an MMO count as co-op or multiplayer? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's what's coming up next time. It's going to be a good episode. We haven't done a video game one in a while. Well, I haven't in particular because you guested with, uh, John. Yeah. We had John fill in for you one time. So, but yeah, should be a good time. Good stuff. Well, thank you again, Grace, for joining us and coming up with the idea. It was great to have you. You're welcome. Sorry, your Titan didn't get higher. Oh my God. It's so terrifying. I don't know why. R.I.P. Titans. We haven't watched the show. No. Yeah. I've watched the first episode. Yeah, I couldn't get you to watch anywhere. It's too shouty. Yelling. It's too shouty. Every single line is shouted, and I'm like, why? Well, can we just... It's exhausting to watch. Everyone's shouting all the time. I need a break. <laughs> Everyone's so mad. Forms of torture. Would you rather be killed by a creature that forces you to watch Attack on Titan? <laughs> Also, oh, my wife. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> I was the real monster all along. Uh, the, it's the monsters you meet along the way. <laughs> and that's where we end it. <laughs> well, hey, until next time, I've been Scott. And I've been Josh. And I've been Gracie. And remember, with a little practice. You can argue your way into a friendship. Take care, folks. Top 10 biggest assholes in Star Wars. General Grievous. Gotta be top five. Hmm. Darth, Darth Maul probably up there, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's. Oh no, I've accidentally hit my keyboard and deleted something. <laughs> Does Jar Jar count? <laughs> um, I mean, like Jar Jar is not an asshole. Yes, he he's is. Just... <laughs> he's absolutely an asshole. <laughs> he's not malevolent. He's just like. <clears throat> yeah. It's just like, oh come on, Jar Jar, you're kind of an idiot. Uh. Oh, you know who who is? Uh, I'd I'd probably put. Um, oh God, uh, Samuel Jackson's character, Mace Windu. Yeah, Mace thank Windu. you, Jesus. Oh yeah, Christ. Mace Windu's a dick. Huge asshole. Like he, especially was like, we do not grant you the rank of master. You should see he, Mace Windu in Clone Wars. Yeah, he's an extra asshole. Not voiced by Samuel Jackson though. No, it's actually Phil Lamar.
No. Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Phil Lamar is Mace Windu and Kit Fisto in Clone Wars. Nice. Big fan. I'm going to call micro break right now because Modoc is being a real shit and I'm putting him in your room, Grace. What's he doing? He's trying to force his way into my lap and he just will not stop. Oh, buddy. I'll be right back. Poor Modoc. Never gets any attention. <laughs> he told me he doesn't get pet ever. Oh, no. What? Yeah. And I believe he- him. I pet him for like half an hour the other day. I was rubbing his tummy and anytime I tried to pull my hand away, he would just instantly go like chomp at me like, no! Don't stop. <laughs> You're so demanding. <laughs>